Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas for $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Are you the type of person who loves to treat yourself? You know, sometimes you just want to buy yourself a coffee, a fancy coffee. Sometimes you want to get a little extra legroom on the plane. You know what I mean? So if you ever treat yourself to the top options, other places like that, then why are we settling when we're finding a doctor? I know it's easy to fall into that rut, but your health is so important. Enter ZocTalk. ZocTalk is a place where you can find and book tens of thousands of top tier doctors, all with verified patient reviews. ZocTalk is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. There's no more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist. You know we hate that. And these doctors all have verified reviews from actual real patients. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, which is so helpful. You can see who's located near you and who's available and who can treat basically any condition you're searching for. Plus, a typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between just 24 to 72 hours. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments. When I moved to LA years ago, I discovered ZocDoc because I was so tired of having to call all these different offices and wait. It took hours sometimes to figure out which doctor in town could help me and which one took my insurance, but not anymore with ZocDoc. I was able to find everything from a psychiatrist to a GI doctor, and I did that all through ZocDoc. And the app has only gotten better over time. I still use it. I still love it. I always recommend it to people, whether you have phone anxiety like me or not. It couldn't get easier to find a doctor with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash drink and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash drink. ZocDoc dot com slash drink. Now can I go? Yes, Emma. Christine! Hi, Christine. Just lovely. How are you doing? I hope at least one piece of glass shattered somewhere in the world when they heard that sound. Or a dog howled, maybe? Well, yesterday I lit a candle in my room, and I guess I I didn't pay enough attention that the wick had moved, like, really far to the glass. And all of a sudden I heard this shattering, and (gasps) the glass had literally exploded. Christine, I literally said yesterday I would like to see a glass explode. Oh, my God, you did! And I was in my bed. That's right. And I was in my bed, and I heard this, like, huge crack and, like... The glass, oh the giant God. glass piece went missing. I like, I like was under my bed looking for it. Keep in mind, I'm like 40 weeks pregnant. I was looking for this I was piece saying, of glass. This is the last, like you're about to have a baby. You can no longer just have big missing chunks of glass floating around your house. <laughs> I was like, this is dangerous. And I mean, I was like, I'm usually pretty cautious about my candle usage because, you know, there, there's things can go wrong. But I was Apparently. like, oh, I didn't realize like, and the problem is this candle it had a glass, but then the outside of it was paper, like with like a lid. And I was like, so the glass shattered. Ooh. So now it's just paper. And I was like, that's going to go up in flames. Like, God, God, I was in the room. So just a warning, everybody. Be careful out there. Because um, anyway, speaking of glass shattering. So maybe that was you in the future, like singing. And it reached back in uh-huh. time. You know, I love when there's a time travel situation. It could involved. be. Um, it could be. That I was so high pitched that it went back into the past to shut It like glass. bounced against a wormhole and came back and like oh my hurt God. me. 
that totally now explains all the times Glass has ever shattered in any story I've it ever covered. It was just M singing. It was all just me. <laughs> Great. Wow, what a long-winded tangent to start this episode. Um, uh, hi, everybody. Welcome hi. to, is it November now? Yes, dude. This is like November 7th, I think. Brr, it's cold out, huh? You're in Los Angeles, okay, okay. friend, though. And it's still September. But, you know, whatever. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, it probably will be cold, and it seems far away now. It's like five weeks from when we're recording this. It's September 28th, and I... Fun fact, I think, I don't want to jinx it, but I think I may Stop. be in early labor because last night, or I'm just still in this stupid prodromal labor thing, but last night I started having contractions like one in the morning and usually I go to sleep and it like goes away by morning, but like they wouldn't, I couldn't fall asleep and then every time I would fall asleep, it would like wake me back up, but then by like 6 a.m. I was so tired that I would fall asleep and then start dreaming, like I would like... So I started dreaming that I was getting shot in the stomach. <laughs> okay. Well, yes. like I, I would wake up and be like, I've been shot. And then I was like, oh no, I'm just having a contraction. But it like kept happening every time I had a contraction. And so I kept just over and over dreaming. That I was getting, it was really horrible. Good to know from my own notes that apparently early labor <laughs> contractions feel like getting shot in it, the stomach. I don't At think least it to your brain. does. <laughs> I think it was just, yeah, my subconscious trying to explain like, no, you can keep sleeping. We'll just pretend you got shot in the stomach. I'm like, can you come up with something slightly less traumatizing? Jeez. Um, so I, I, I did not sleep. Um, I'm a little fl- flustered. Is that why we had to record later? Do you need to take a little nap, skis? Yeah, I did. Literally, I fall asleep. <laughs> I woke up and was like, oh, my God, we're supposed to record in 10 minutes. Um, so that's my bad. Uh, no, look, I look, there's no one who understands a nap better than me. So. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't. I'm not a nap person. So when Christine needs to take a nap, there's something's wrong um, in the world. Okay, so. well, no pressure. Just a just a race to the finish line. This episode is. Uh, I'm just saying, like, I'm fine right now. But I mean, all night. And then I woke up and was like, they're still happening. And that's never happened before so either Homie, didn't this they is... tell you to go to the hospital once you can't sleep through your contractions yeah but like i could if you can't like if you can't bear it then they're like oh. go in but it's not and you were like yet. i've been shot 20 times tonight we're fine <laughs> i can bear it well my doula just texted me because i sent her that text in the morning at like 7 30 i was like i keep dreaming i'm getting shot in the stomach it was like a very alarming thing to send um and she just texted me and was like oh i just realized your text said getting shot in the stomach i thought you said you were getting like a covid shot in the stomach and she's like what you said was a lot scarier sorry i didn't react appropriately <laughs> i was like nobody cares that i keep dreaming this horrible nightmare anyway so uh, who knows but we're getting a november episode in which is very impressive hey, yeah hey folks we made it to november far. that's the best we might be able to do <laughs> <laughs> why do you drink em um, apparently I'm hanging out with someone who, uh, has been shot a bunch of times and a baby, a baby's coming out. And, uh, hmm, I don't, I, why do I, why do I drink? Um, I just, I don't know. I'm in a, I'm in a spell where like, I just don't want to get anything done. Like basic self care uh, tasks. Yeah. Like I still haven't unpacked my suitcase from when I saw you and like, yeah. it's just sitting in the corner staring lot, at me though. with its ugly I never face. unpack the suitcase. It takes so much work. It takes so There's much. There's dirty work. clothes in there. You don't want to. Because oh, it's, it's not so just unpacking. It's unpacking then the laundry, then the having it folded, mm-hmm. then the hanging it on. It's and all the memories of not being with me anymore. Are just really depressing. And then I and then I pull it out of the dryer, but then it's wet again from my tears. Yeah, you, get <laughs> you it. cry into them and need to I wash just, them all. Over. I just weep at the thought of them not smelling like you anymore. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I'm just, I'm just staring at a lot of unfinished, very simple tasks that I've now built into like a weekend of events. 
the good news is when we do record these though like because i I definitely understand that feeling and get that way a lot too the good news is when we do record an episode it does feel very satisfying of like i got a big task done today so even if you don't end up doing the laundry like at least you know we got like a week's worth of work done basically (laughs) that does feel good but then i'm i but also today we're recording on tuesday so after this i've got tea time tuesday oh yeah you do have that don't you but then i've got the then i can say i've gotten two big tasks those are big tasks yeah but then i officially really clock out for the day mentally and like don't do anything so then allison's gonna be like can you just because like she does she doesn't mean it in a mean way and she's never directly said this but i'm sure in her mind it looks like you just had an hour-long conversation with your friend and we're on instagram like can you clean up the room (laughs) and for me i'm like yeah and in my mind i'm like it took so much energy to do those two things no it's a lot of work it is i feel like it's hard to explain but it's definitely a lot of a lot of it's taxing takes a toll Uh uh-huh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it does anyway that's why i drink i've just got a lot of things that i should get done and won't so Uh. I anyway. mean, I never found that piece of glass on the floor for what oh it's God. worth. It's Yo, still down there. Yo, a baby might fall out tonight. you got to get that going. <laughs> I know. I'm going to make Blaze get that in there. I was like, I can't crawl under the bed, but I literally don't fit. So someone else is going to have to go down there. Also, I feel bad. Hopefully the kitty cats didn't find it and they're like swatting it around. Probably like bed. carrying it around. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll keep an eye out. That's a good point. <laughs> there, that feels like a geo thing to like have a... I, there, Allison once had a dog that like found a light bulb and they like... <laughs> It was carrying it around like glass side <gasps> in the mouth. Oh, no. And every time they would try to like get the light bulb out, they would just hear it kind of crack <gasps> a little more. Oh my God, that's <laughs> terrible. I feel like I vaguely remember that story and it just sparks like every anxiety in my body. Oh my God, of <laughs> all things to Im- carry. I can't imagine. But so anytime I imagine a piece of glass in an animal, I just think of that poor that's dog with the light bulb. the cracking sound. Well, Moonshine drowns all of his toys, not even his toys, like anything he finds on the ground. So I need to check their water bowl because if it's filled with glass I'm gonna also be you like, need to check really like swat around in there because it's clear you might yeah. not even see it and all I, the last thing i need is one of them to swallow it by accident oh lord oh lord just when moonshine and i became friends too like that would be really <laughs> inconvenient <laughs> wreaks some havoc You know when you've got the holidays, the new year, and then all of a sudden it's sort of back to the grind, especially if you run a small business, it can be really hard to get back into the swing of things, but Stamps.com is here to make that a little bit easier for you. Stamps.com streamlines all your mailing and shipping to turbocharge your operational efficiencies. For 25 years now, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses, whether they're mailing out checks, invoices, legal documents, books, podcast branded koozies, maybe that's just us, or anything else. Get access to the USPS and UPS mailing services you need to run your business right from your computer anytime, day or night. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. And with rates you can't find anywhere else, like up to, get this, 89% off USPS and UPS, how could you go wrong? We have loved Stamps.com for years, not quite 25, but since we started the podcast, which was 2017, and we could not get by without it. I remember there were days where we didn't have Stamps.com, those I call the dark ages, and I was hand shipping everything and driving it on my lunch break to the post office. It was all very hectic. Stamps.com, I do it straight from my house, and it makes my life a trillion times easier. Keep your mailing and shipping moving at the speed of your business with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code DRINK for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale no long-term commitments or contracts just go to stamps.com click the microphone at the top of the page and enter code drink daylight saving time is starting up again it may feel like there are more hours in the day but if you're hiring it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates any sooner there's only one way to do that 
ZipRecruiter. Right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash drink. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100 plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. Spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash drink. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash drink. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Okay, so here's here's where we left off for all my uh, for all my people that were here for Halloween because I left you on quite a cliffhanger. I, I can't think. wait. This was a scary story. I felt good about it because I was nervous about the Halloween episode. I think we both were because we, we wanted were. to deliver in terms of like a an actual like spooky ooky story. Right. But like obviously early on in this podcast, I really just like ran through the classic like most famous haunting stories. Right. So the fact that this one slipped through the cracks is really a blessing. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to take advantage of it next Halloween. I can't promise. That I'll be no, this lucky. we'll figure it out. But, we uh, always do. but so anyway, for those of you who need the refresher, this is the story of the Harrisville farmhouse, AKA the Perrin family haunting, um, guest starring the Warrens, which is how I figured out that I hadn't covered this story mm-hmm, yet. Mm-hmm. So um, just a recap, this is a a house in Rhode Island, and it's a family of five girls and the parents. The mom is getting uh, completely taunted by this one spirit, is having like really bad dreams of this woman with a neck that's snapped off, chanting at her and telling her to get out of the house. Oh, she has sticks for hands, by the way. Sticks for hands. somebody does. I don't know. Yeah, she has sticks for hands. You're right. You're right. And they think this might be... uh, one one spirit in particular and meanwhile she's not telling her five children about this and the five children are also not telling their mom stuff is happening to us too and they have all right. these apparitions they're hanging out with all these spirits they're talking to but now they're also getting dragged out of their rooms in the middle of the night the beds Oof. are levitating they're uh, getting trapped and stuff it's very scary stuff yeah it so, is really it really freaked me out that uh, that half of the story and uh, once it was getting really bad, the mom had an experience where after a dream like that, she felt that she got stabbed <sighs> in the leg or something. Yeah. Um, so she felt like she got stabbed. And after that, it was almost as if all the spirits in the house were draining her of energy and she's slowly withering away. So now she's doing research on the house <sighs> and finds out that there were several deaths in this house, um, including the potential murder of a baby uh, by the neighbor named Bathsheba Sherman. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did say last time too, I was like, I don't know if it's Bathsheba Sherman in the, in real life, that might've just been the character in the conjuring, but the, the name I heard more and more often in the sources was Bathsheba Thayer, which is oh, her maiden name, I guess. Even harder to say. <laughs> she doesn't make it easy that, that, no, that she witch. Really does. What if she combined them? Like, you know, modern day Bathsheba, Bathsheba Thayer, Thayer Sherman. Sherman. Oh my it's God. A long one. I'd be like, I'm calling you Bath. That's <laughs> probably in a B. So, and also, uh, one thing I wanted you to remember last week, which like, this isn't a super big thing in the story, but it's just my favorite element to it, um, that you kind of noted on was there are some ghosts that like 
are following their own past blueprints. Mm. Like they're like looking out the window, but there's no window there anymore. So they're looking at the wall. So yeah, terrifying. And I just wanted you to remember that because I, I wanted to talk about it later for funsies. So, um, and the last place I left you was in the middle of the mom, Carolyn doing all of this research. She ended up finding an ad in the paper for two brothers to investigate the house named Keith and Carl. Right. And the thing that really convinced them that this was a demon was as soon as one of them said, oh, you should like ask Jesus for help. They, they had been talking about religion. He said, oh, maybe you should call out to Jesus. A window that had been warped open, slammed shut by ah. itself uh, and made the whole house shake. And that's right. when Keith knew it was a demon. Uh-huh. So around the same time as this, one of the family friends of the parents had gone to an event for the Warrens, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Mm. And so I guess my original thought was that the parents, the parents reached out to the Warrens looking for help, but they actually never reached out for help. The Warrens heard about them through their family friend. Oh, okay. So the family friend went to one of their events and said, you got to check out their house. It's super creepy. And I think the Warrens, I don't know if they had yet, done anything with Amityville. I forget what year Amityville was, but this was the the early 70s. Okay. But they were still becoming pretty big as like paranormal experts. So uh, after some initial discussions, the Warrens did come to the house. Apparently from one source, uh, the husband of the family, Roger, did not like when they came to the house because they allegedly brought an entourage with them. <laughs> um, Groupies. <laughs> so uh, the Warrens did show up, though. And when they did, the kids were so excited to finally tell people Aww. that would listen to them what was going on. And they had some um, traumatic shit going on. I mean, they did. There was even one entity that they won't discuss to this day because it was apparently a very evil male entity and there were five little girls Ugh, aka you do the math heinous, so heinous um and we don't officially know what happened i'm just right. going off of that quote so uh yeah apparently ed would just like kneel down to them and be like okay what's going on and they would just like spill their guts mm. Um, which I can't imagine the relief of finally getting to talk to somebody who might be able to help or at least believes you. And who believes you, right. They'd been keeping that secret for so long. Yeah. So the Warrens decided that they were going to show up the night before Halloween because they thought that would be the best chance for activity since the veil would be thinnest. Um, and then the the daughters in later interviews were like, they really could have shown up any day. Like the activity was so bad. Like it didn't matter what day it was. They didn't celebrate the holidays. These ghosts, they just right. year round. <laughs> yep. Um, and in hindsight, what's interesting is you usually hear people say like, Oh, the Warrens really helped us or, you know, uh, but the family does say they do think the Warrens had the best intentions, but they probably made things worse. Oh, so, or at least didn't help. They at least didn't get <laughs> oh, no. rid of the spirits. Um, oh. Even 40 years later, um, Lorraine Warren and the eldest sister of the parent family named Andrea, yeah. they ran into each other for, I think they were both working on The Conjuring. Or they had both gotten invited to a premiere, an early premiere of The Conjuring. What a party um, which, that must have been. Yeah. And so they bumped into each other uh and Lorraine even told her uh, 40 years later, Ed and I 
quote, Ed and I were in over our heads as soon as we crossed the threshold and we just didn't know it yet. Wow. Oh, so she like she gets it, too. She's like, yeah, you're right. She's like, we did not totally help. Oh, (laughs) no. So they later, the par- or the Warrens later even called the Perrin family haunting, quote, the most compelling, most intense, and most disturbing, and most significant haunting that they ever investigated in their career. Oh, wow. Yeah. So while walking through the house, Lorraine came into one of the rooms and lowered her head, and she said, I sense a malignant presence in this house, and her name is Bathsheba. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Without having had any of the research done that uh, that Carolyn had done, so she just called that name out of nowhere, saying it's her name not even Shiba. like a normal like we see a medium and they're like it starts with either an R or a J. Yeah. it's like Bathsheba. That's, that's a confident answer. <laughs> yeah, and a and a really unique one. <laughs> so Lorraine was still walking around the house and walked into the parent, uh, the master bedroom where the parents slept. And this is where the mom was having all these crazy dreams and this this crooked neck like woman all of a sudden was like chanting at her and maybe stabbed her in the leg. Lorraine said this was the room where Bathsheba killed the baby. (gasps) Oh, no. And that is where most of the activity was. So it would make sense that something that dark would happen. Oh, Oh, no. Uh, they also said that they could tell right away based on Carolyn's behavior that there was something attached to her. And oh, apparently, she, apparently she was oppressed, which is the first, which is the step before being possessed. Oh, okay. So they were saying you're, a, a, you're oppressed. And so the next step would be possession. We oh, have to shit. step in now. So they said they needed to do a seance, um, the in the conjuring it's an exorcism but apparently they only did a seance um the reasoning i couldn't find like a solid reason but on one source i saw that they wouldn't do an exorcism because the family wasn't religious um Mm. or super religious or whatever and also the warrens weren't exorcists so they couldn't officially do it so they just did a seance and i guess the whole thing backfired um because well, first, the Ed told the kids, Ed Warren told the kids, like, okay, go upstairs. Like, you don't need to see this. Um, and Andrea and another one of the sisters snuck back down because they were like, no, like, you just told us that they're going to do something sneaky. Like, we want to watch. So yeah. they snuck back down. And then because of that, they were able to report what happened. <gasps> Good. And so the Warrens and uh, Carolyn and Roger Perrin they circle together. I think they also had a medium with them. And again, just like the rest of the story, if you listen to last week's part to this, everything happens real quick in this house. Like day one, they saw a ghost. Week one, they had ghost friends. Every, there's no waiting around. Like these ghosts are ready to, to get crazy. And so they started this seance. And apparently after only two minutes, quote, all hell broke loose. Oh, shit. And that comes from the mouth of Roger Perrin. So they did an episode of Paranormal Witness where both Roger and Carolyn narrated it with some of the daughters. Um, The family has been pretty outspoken, but that was the only source I saw where even the parents were talking. And even Roger was like, all hell broke loose. Yeah, and Roger didn't seem to be the prime target. So if he's saying it. He seemed to have it the easiest. I saw actually was on that show where they said he felt like sometimes a hand would brush his back or like they were like being really like 
positively affectionate, affectionate but, right but he never had any dark stuff happen until later he's like what do you mean kids like they're just patting me on the back <laughs> <laughs> right what do you mean manny who's eating rat poison in the oh, corner yeah 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 so uh yeah so it was just apparently it went really badly very quickly lorraine later was quoted saying the things that went on there were just so incredibly frightening it still affects me to talk about it today Oof. um and even Andrea to this day doesn't seem to totally talk about what happened, even though they've all been pretty outspoken in general about their experiences in the house. Um, Andrea was able to report what she saw, but I get the sense that they're only telling a very light version of it. Mm. Um, she does later, I did mention this last time, she went on to write a few books about this and I maybe the information is in the book and she doesn't want to like give up the good juicy info sure. from her book. But um, she did say that any and all TV reenactments you've seen only scratch the surface of what <laughs> happened that night. She said that Paranormal Witness did an okay job. Um, she she said a few of them. If you've seen it on TV, it's just scratching the surface of what I happened. I want to watch that, that Paranormal Witness episode after this. Well, you can. It's It was an hour long and it was a great hour, to be fair. Was it on uh, uh, Discovery Plus? I watched I watched it probably not in the most legal way on Oh certainly excellent. Okay. Never mind. I just I don't I mean it was available. I didn't have to do any really deep digging. I just typed in watch online and it was like one of the first links. But okay. I feel like it should have been monetized and I don't think it was. Uh -huh. Um so between Andrea and then her parents, th this is all of their point of view of what happened. So within two minutes of total silence at the beginning of the seance. The table has now lifted off the floor. Carolyn is now slumped in her chair as if she like her soul has left her. Like she's just like uh, kind of hunched over. And then her body starts contorting and her <gasps> facial features start twisting up. Ew. And Roger even said for several minutes it looked like her whole body was being squeezed. Um, even Roger, again, who took the longest to believe, ended up saying the phrase she was possessed at that at that seance. Oh and God. eventually, as the table's lifting and Carolyn and her chair are lifting and she's contorting. I also heard that she was speaking crazy languages oh um, in a voice that wasn't hers. All of a sudden, everything comes crashing to the floor. And mm. I think the way Andrea put it was like, it's as if the hand of God made a fist and just slammed oh. on the table. Oh, my God. Um, so then, even though everything comes crashing down to the, the floor, Carolyn, in her chair, levitates again. It is now thrown across the room, like like a ragdoll. Like, however heavy her plus a chair is, she got ragdolled across the floor or across the room. She flips in the air and lands on her head. Oh, shit. Okay, that's violent now. And not moving, and everyone was pretty sure she was dead holy crap and imagine by the way being a child and seeing this happen while hiding so your, mom. your mom yeah yeah um according to paranormal witness uh in roger's testimony he freaked the fuck out he started screaming you killed her you killed her get out at the warrens and they just the warren just left they just like this <laughs> was all within like this Awkward. all seems like it was within like a 10 minute thing of like, you need to do a seance. Then the seance happens and then they're getting kicked out of the house. Holy shit. What a mess. And Roger runs over to her and starts screaming and shaking her. Come back to us. Come back to us. Don't leave your children. 
oh my god these poor children who were watching i don't know if the kids also ran up to the mom or if they were just silently doing this but they said that they were also like begging for their mom to come back um eventually she does come back but she said in this interview that she even had to it must have been the pull of her children that brought her back because it took it took everything she had to come back that's so sad and awful um they said again they said that the warrens had the best intentions but the ghosts never stopped after this and even the they it's not like they had any animosity towards the warrens i guess because they did end up coming back four or five times afterwards um to see if they could help and it just never did and carolyn if she was already kind of like not doing well after that weird dream and she felt like she was always super drained um now after this seance that went wrong and never really like got closed out or whatever now she's really not doing well um even though she was able to pull herself back into consciousness she was now super withering away like the energy was getting sucked out of her um to a point where now andrea has to take care of the house and her sisters and the mom is just in bed all the time oh that's sad one night uh this is the thing that I wanted to tell you about with the blueprint theory and like right. all my fun like theories. It's a very just like it's got to be really mind blowing for them. But it is when you take a step back and just think about it. It's like how fucking crazy. If anyone is stoned right now, get ready yeah. for the experience of a lifetime. First of all, good luck to you listening to anything we do while stoned. But also this, this one will definitely be a good conversation piece for you. So the her mom was not doing well. It's like I don't. I don't know what was going on, but she was really falling apart. Um, Andrea one night had taken care of all of her sisters, had put them to bed and was now doing her own homework late Aww. at night. And uh, Carolyn comes down at like nine o'clock at night and she's like, oh, what did we what did you make for dinner? And Andrea says, oh, I made some stew. And uh, the mom says, like, oh, can I have some stew? Can you also make me some coffee? And so the the sister so andrea ends up getting up from her homework and crossing through the dining room and uh she's i guess in the kitchen for a while setting all this stuff up she's made sure to say in the interview like this was a time before a microwave so like i had to reheat the stew in a pot on the no, stove and do the no. coffee and so um i yeah, guess no like keurig <laughs> <laughs> there's yeah there's no keurig it's all a, a process And so she walks through the dining room and she states that like the dining room was basically shut down for the night. No one was using it. It was completely dark and empty. There was nothing going on. And she just had to pass through it to get to the kitchen. She left her mom on the other side of the dining room in the living room or the parlor. I forget which phrase she used. Um, And I guess at one point, Carolyn, who's waiting in the uh, living room, she hears a laugh (laughs) from the dining room. She looks around she turns around and looks into the dining room and it is not their dining room and they <gasps> it is there are lights on the candles are lit the table is not theirs the furniture is not theirs oh a my whole f- god a whole fucking family is sitting there <gasps> and they're like having a good time the woman is cooking in the fireplace that the house actually has but was sealed off a hundred years ago holy shit so it's like a transport back in time to a different scene. Holy yes. shit, that's crazy. And so the woman is cooking in this fireplace that's now not sealed off, and there's two men sitting at either head of the table. 
Wow. And one of them turns and sees no! Caroline. Oh, no. <laughs> and like nudges the person next to him. Oh, no. And points at her. Oh. No. I would want to sink into the floor. Like, don't mind well, me, please. Well, then, so Andrea's quote about this was to them, she was the ghost. And they were looking into the future while she was looking into the yes, past. Yes. That is one of my favorite theories about fucking, yeah, when you see a ghost and it's like, seeing each other and it must have just been just as scary for them to see you it's like a time slip oh my god how crazy i have such goose cam that stuff for, like the fact that you're throwing time travel into ghosts like I, my brain explodes every yeah time. it's like it's fascinating i mean i just love those stories there's a lot of those on jim harold and they get me every time like have you heard the one where the kid sees the teenager in the little boy, he's like running through the kitchen of his childhood home and he sees um, he's the caller and he says, oh, as a kid, I like was in the kitchen. I saw this man standing at the counter making a sandwich in a hoodie and I like blinked and he was gone. And then years later, he's like, I was making a sandwich at the counter and I saw a little kid run through the room and he's like, and it took me a while to be like, wait a second. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's like a flip. Oh, it just gives me shivers. Anyway. Is that not the craziest thing? Yeah, it's That's wild. So wild. It's so <sighs> wild. It's like, and it also, it's like, is it time travel or is it that this house is sitting in some sort of ultra dimension where like they're right. all layered on top of each other? And if there's right. a glitch, you, if there's a glitch in some you way, can you can pass see each through other. a window or like pass through some sort of portal or see through it or something. Yeah. In which case, that means, like, the apartment I'm sitting in right now that's empty, if it were to, like, have a glitch and all the layers could see each other, there'd be, like, a hundred people just moving and grooving. And oh, L.A. Thing. apartments would be a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> I But so that just blows my mind that they also saw her and that freaked out. That is creepy as hell. And uh, apparently Andrea comes back in with her with the dinner and the coffee and the lights are completely out. The dining room is exactly as it was. Ooh. But she sees Carolyn standing there. And she's apparently beaming, like so happy. Oh. And she's like, are you okay? And Carolyn says, all my questions were just answered. <gasps> and after that, whatever that experience was, she immediately started getting better. What? And so in the interview Andrea was doing, it, she basically ended up saying that the house that had harmed her also began to heal her. Oh, my God. I, I don't know how that we works don't know or why, why that or... works. No, just she, uh, I guess that experience of the ghosts connecting with each other. I don't know. I have no idea. Wow. But in, that, in that moment, she was like, all my questions just got answered. And then she just started getting better. So she just had some experience that we can't totally. That I guess understand. wasn't negative for once. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, but, uh, good. I mean, I shouldn't question it. I'm, I'm glad. I, I just don't understand it. It's like, were those ghosts, did they see she needed help and they like sent her some good right. energy? Like what the did fuck Did she happened? like learn that they're good now and not bad or yeah, weird. I, I don't know. Hmm. But so uh, I wanted to also add that weirdly, this was not the first time this had happened in the house because one time Andrea also saw quote, the spitting image of herself as an old woman. <gasps> so it's kind of exactly the story yeah. you just told of that Ooh. little kid and the teenager. Shivers. So uh, Andrea has a quote about this saying, I always considered the house a portal, but not only right. a portal to the past, but to the future. So just why? Because one way has to go the other way, right? Yeah. So um, even though they were totally freaked out by this house for very good reason, 
due to financial instability, they ended up staying at this house until 1980. They just like, oh. which was another seven years later, I guess. They were there from 1971 to 1980. They officially bought it a couple months before. So technically it's 1970 to 1980. It's like a whole 10 years. Yeah. yeah. And they just couldn't afford to leave. There was, um, I guess... It was the Nixon administration. The economy was tanking. Not in there this was, economy. There, there was also, like, who on earth would take in, like, a family of seven with five little kids? Like, that's a lot to ask fair, from someone. Fair point. And Even they, temporary housing, like, that's a lot, yeah. And they had put all their money into this house, so they had nothing <sighs> else. So, And when they bought it, like, they didn't get any weird vibes or negativity, so it wasn't like they took right. a risk. Like, they just had everything going for them. Right. And also, like, this wasn't a thought of theirs, but I'm thinking, too, like, even if they left, like, who's to say that these things aren't attached to them Fair and just point. follow them? Is the risk just... worth it or is it just going to keep happening elsewhere without a house? Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, eventually, so when they first bought it, it was um, it, what like one of the selling points was it was a farmhouse with 200 acres. Okay. And wow. it was just like a lot of space. But then they ended up having like a pipe burst or something and they were able to officially leave by selling off the acreage. Oh, and so okay. by the time that they because the, the property kept, I guess, depreciating, but at least they had the, the land they could sell. So by the time they sold the house house, it only uh, now has eight and a half acres. Oh, OK. Wow. So they sold a lot of it. Yeah. So. Um, the next residents to move in were the Sutcliffs, who I mentioned in the Warren episode, uh, because they were very adamant that the house is not haunted. Um, <laughs> okay. And they, although I did see one source where they listed like some things that had happened and it was like, okay, so it like is haunted. Uh-huh. But <laughs> okay. They were like, it's not haunted at all, but we have seen the fog that they mentioned and we have seen lights and the doors do creak and, you know, and so it was like, okay, mm. but... So there weren't any, like, bad spirits, though, is what you're at least telling me. Like, there was no, like, demon. <clears throat> but so they ended up, uh, they say the house was not haunted, and they also had a lot of issues after the Conjuring movie came out because people kept trespassing oh, on the property. I bet. Um, one of them even, I think the wife said that she had stayed up for, like, several nights in a row because people kept coming onto the property with flashlights trying to, like, ghost hunt. Oh, God. So, like, this is a PSA, like, private property is private property. Please don't fucking go there. Like, just, I'm, this is not us telling you that, like, it's worth it. And I know when I always say teenage me used to go into houses, I get it. I hear the hypocrisy. Also, they were abandoned, to be clear. Also dangerous, uh, but yeah. Also dangerous, but at least, like, I wasn't freaking any people out. Yeah, and also, like, you don't know, in in this country, people have guns, and there are some states where they can Mm -hmm. shoot you. Don't don't risk it, please. It's not good. It's not worth it. So just don't trespass. Um, and they, so they ended up trying to sue Warner Brothers for like, mm. um, for I guess damages. And also they were trying to sue them. Like, can you at least get us like a top of the line security system or something? Um, I don't know whatever happened with that. I think last I saw Warner Brothers had not commented. Um, <laughs> Sounds about but right. But they, they even have at least... Because I looked up YouTube that they have a bunch of videos trying to prove that the house isn't haunted and that the movie ruined their home. Whoa. They have at least one hour long YouTube video really going into it. Wow. Um, And like I said, they tried to sue Warner Brothers. And since this is, uh, since they're not super vocal about it, I think they're, hang on. I think there was one, I didn't put it on my notes, shit. 
I feel like there was one video or one source where like the Sutcliffs and the parents actually sat down and tried to like hash out if it was haunted or not. Oh, I feel like I, feel like I like saw a round a table discussion. <laughs> kind of. I feel like that's what happened. I saw some sort of comment on like um, the Sutcliffs were trying to say we're trying to like say something and Lorraine Warren got involved. It was a weird anyway. I'm not too sure about that, but let's just say the Sutcliffs are on team. There is no ghost. And the parents are clearly very open about right. there being ghosts. So vocal. In fact, that Andrea has written a trilogy of books called house of darkness, house of light. Apparently. I don't know if it's because they think they've already lived it. So why should they have to read the book or maybe something in there is like too bothersome for them, but only the mom has read all three of Andrea's books. This is oh, finished. you mean them. within the family, within, within the, the family. Yeah. Um, so only the mom has read it. I guess one of the sisters tried to read it, but something in there was super disturbing. And she was yeah. like, I can't, I can't read your book. So I mean, it makes sense. Like you wouldn't want to go back to that necessarily. And relive that. Cause yeah. she apparently to write these books, she sat down with every member of the family and did mm. like really in-depth interviewing. So she got all their like super dark experiences. And I think they just don't want to read the book and find out how it got written. Yeah. Andrea did say there's only three stories in the books that are not mentioned out of respect to the family because one story was her mom's and two of them were either sisters. Um, what do you mean three stories in the book were not mentioned? Like three like really scary things that happened. Three Where events. They were in the book, but the... only Sorry. there's only three stories that in the book that oh the, uh, that aren't mentioned in the book. Out of oh, that are not in the book. Got you. Yeah. Got you. Got you. Uh, one was the moms, and then one was the sisters, and another was the sisters. And I guess it was too much that oh, they geez. ended up saying, "Please don't put them in the book." Um, but. She does say every other story, at least 98% of their experiences are in the books. Wow. Um, she also said that the Conjuring movie, for anyone asking, does have elements of truth and they got the big picture right, but it's mainly not accurate, especially the one leaning into Lorraine's belief that Bathsheba is the one causing mm. all the problems. I totally get, though, if you're looking at the story of the parent family, of course, Bathsheba would be like the villain in a movie. Of course, yeah. But the family thinks that whoever, like, so in the story of what actually happened, that woman who was like chanting over the mom while she was sleeping and like this ghost that kept showing up while she was sleeping and hurting her. Um, the family doesn't think it's Bathsheba, even though Lorraine said it was, mm. because I guess the things that she was saying and the things that she was chanting to the mom were it was such outdated language that it was even outdated oh. for Bathsheba's time in the 1800s. Wow. Yeah. So and this place I, had been around since the 1600s, right? So mm -hmm. like, wow. yeah, it could have been okay. someone else. Maybe it could have been. Maybe even though it was like outdated, if Bathsheba was a practicing witch, maybe it was like an old spell or something. I, I, it, that was one of the arguments, but it really just seemed like it wouldn't be what someone would. If they're just trying to tell you get out of the house, like they would just say get out of the house instead of this whole flowery language. Yeah, yeah, this like culty stuff yeah i right. wonder yeah i mean this is probably just adding too much to it but it makes you wonder like what if even in the 1800s it was haunted by this character who right? haunted bathsheba and maybe that's part of the negativity yeah. that existed in her life maybe yeah and well so lorraine's thought process with why it could be bathsheba too because even though she didn't live on the property and she was just a neighbor who did right. something dark here they were thinking 
just because even if because the whole story with Bashi was like maybe she did it maybe she didn't but no matter what the public did not like her and she was really like bitter at the end because she was so hated and despised maybe that energy is what came through so even if it's not Bathsheba herself it's the hatred that she had to deal with that was mm. haunting the house um they they also think that it might not be Bathsheba because this woman had literally had like her neck snapped and like oh, her head yeah. was like kind of hanging off and Bathsheba died from like a stroke so right right it wasn't hanging or whatever yeah so, but it did make sense for the movie because in the movie, I think Bathsheba died by hanging in the trees. Was it by suicide or was it by like? I don't know. I, mean, I don't. Murder. I didn't see the movie recently. I'm not sure, but I know that she was like in the tree or hanging in the tree. And so, well, you had mentioned too last episode that like several people died by suicide, so it makes you wonder. Maybe so if that was part of it. Because of that, they think it might actually be um, Mrs. Arnold, the (laughs) wife from the original family that lived there, who did hang herself. That's who I think it is. Just going to say right now. Leave Bathsheba (laughs) alone. (laughs) So uh, members of the family, when they were filming The Conjuring, they actually got invited to go to the set and I I guess either be a consultant in some way or just got to have approval or got to just see what was going on. But they got invited to the set. And while they were there... Out of nowhere, when they the one day they were supposed to be there, the family all got there, and the mom last minute, Carolyn just bailed. She was like, "I can't do it. It's too Aww. much. It's not for me." And while they were there, um, there was this freak windstorm, like seventy mile windstorm. Oh my god! Seventy mile an hour windstorm that went through the whole set. The cam- the cameras were flying, lights were flying, all the equipment was flying. Like it was just complete chaos out of fucking nowhere. And at the same moment, Carolyn called them and said that she had just broken her hip. <gasps> oh, and so, no. And so then the whole family freaked out that, like, it, you know, I, at this point, they're just calling the spirit Bathsheba, uh, whether or not they think it's the actual woman. And they were like, it's like a curse. Like, she doesn't want to be exposed. She doesn't like that we're telling her story. Like, was, <gasps> and so they, they freaked out for a minute. Um at the end, obviously, The Conjuring came out, and like I said earlier, her, the whole parent family and Lorraine were welcome to an early preview premiere of it, where they reunited after 40 years. And Andrea does say about the entire experience, quote, it was not an optical illusion. It was not mass hysteria. It was not a figment of our imaginations. It was real. It is real. Spirit is real. There is something beyond our mortal existence, and I find that incredibly comforting uh, as a notion that we do go on and wow who's Andrea, that? that was andrea andrea she seems very spiritual so again i'm gonna shout them out i got a lot of my information from a youtube channel called 757 paranormal and they did two separate hour-long interviews where i got a lot of my quotes from andrea and she seems very open to anyone who is curious about spirit and things like that and she wants to help you learn like if you open the door you know you don't know what you're gonna get yeah at one point there was one quote about like she was like with that many experiences once once you've like kicked the door to that world off of its hinges you might as well rip the whole door off and like there's there's no closing that door anymore for me i just see stuff all the time she did say she has a ghost now in her current home but he's very nice (laughs) so good he's respectful and nice like walt good 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 she said he's very loud for no reason in the middle of the night but that's the worst of them (laughs) just like a, a roommate okay she did say and this goes back to like some of the weirdness of the house whether it's the the time travel multi-layer 
dimension portal. <laughs> you know. I don't know what to call it. <laughs> I don't know, know what to call it. But <laughs> just to give an idea, a lot of people have asked the family, like, did you know when you first moved into this place that something was weird? And they do say that they felt something the first day that they owned the place. Right. But in the times where they had looked at the house and they still hadn't officially bought it, they didn't recognize anything. Yeah. That being said, even though they didn't feel anything was weird, they recognized that events in their life were weird leading up to actually <gasps> buying the house. Interesting if, hindsight. So like they weren't even living there yet and the spirit was already attaching to them. Oh, so shit. It was like preparing for their move in. Oh, how creepy is that? So Andrea said that the house it feels like the house picked them and it was some sort of quote cosmic calling. Oh my God. Because even eight months before moving in, weird stuff was already happening. For example, out of nowhere, there became this string of people breaking into their house. Oh. Their cat was killed. <gasps> something happened to another one of their pets, oh, which no. was uh, something else happened to one of their other pets oh. who was a dog, which out of nowhere, their mom named Bathsheba. No. Is that not the craziest thing? No. Like, bef ever before going into oh, this house. I don't house, like that. This name is too weird for everybody to keep pulling it out of thin air. She So they had a dog randomly named Bathsheba. They used to call her Sheba because they didn't know where their mom actually got the name from. They were like, they, okay, mom, whatever. They were like, what a weird name. So they just called the dog Sheba. It's just a weird coincidence. But I like, like how what your nickname odds? was Bath. And they're like, how about Sheba? Em's <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll call you Bath. Okay, your nickname for me is Emothy, and everyone else wants to call me Moth. So, I know. you know, it's, it's, there's a win and lose every that's time. That's fair. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, just weird things like that existed before they ever got to the house. And they weren't even, I don't think, they weren't seriously looking to move uh, when they first did. But Carolyn found this house in the classifieds, this like, this farmhouse that they ended up at oh, found it no. in the found it in the classifieds called them that night because she was so invested in drawn it, to it yikes and drained the family bank account for it that day oh my god Bathsheba we can handle mom you can name the dog Bathsheba and we'll let you have it but this is like a step <laughs> too far I think and apparently uh the poor husband the next day was like, you did what? Like, yeah seriously <laughs> with our five kids me? in tow holy shit and so he ended up checking out the house, too, and he immediately fell in love with it. The kids felt uh -oh. immediately drawn to it. So it just became this whole family thing. But what's even weirder is when she saw it in the ads or in the classifieds and called them, apparently she saw it the morning of the first day that that ad had been in the newspaper. And I guess the realtor or whatever, the realtor had... Uh, bought out like a 90 day block for it to be in the paper wow and she found it on the first morning of day one of it being in the paper and after they called and said they were interested for the next three months nobody ever called asking it was still in the house. paper and nobody called see they that's were the not only good. people no it was no, no it kind of makes me think because we talked about it last last week too but this house has this way of like bubbling out sound yes. when people were screaming for help yes. it feels like it almost bubbled out its own awareness like it kind of put people away from even looking at the it can end. draw certain people in and push certain people away yeah i mean that's terrifying so uh anyway she thinks that there was already something spiritual Oof. in the works before they ever moved in even in the movie they were she was saying it was weird first of all that freak storm on set at the yeah. same time that carolyn broke her hip but there were things that happened on set that were weird just in their way of making the movie. So, like, 
for the creepiest thing for me was that the set deck mm-hmm. um, or the people who who build the set, who pick out all, the, you know, what the bed, what the bedroom's going to look like and decorate it from head to toe. They had what like the a third stick, stick hands look like what the stick hands look like. They had um, that's wardrobe, actually. Probably. Oh, I'm so <laughs> sorry. You're completely right. I'm or sorry. special effects, special effects. Um, <laughs> but uh, they're the they had very little source material to go off of. So they didn't have pictures of the bedrooms or anything to look oh, at. Oh, no. Did they? Oh, no. I know what you're going to say. They as soon as they had to start decorating the house, apparently there was like upwards of like 25,000 different wallpapers that were popular in the 70s and yeah. they picked the exact yeah. right ones for of the rooms or all the way down to like there's you can even see it in the movie that next to Andrea's bed there's this framed picture of a white cat like a folk art piece of yeah. a white cat they had never seen a picture of that no Stop. one had ever told them about it and yet they chose to put that up next to Andrea's bed in the in the on the set. So like it was Wait, very you're saying it was originally in her room or something. And it was originally in her <gasps> room. Apparently she showed it during one of the interviews. She was like, it was so weird See, that they that's, like, that's they crazy. picked, they knew to put that in the movie without ever seeing anything kids, of it. You, you must've gone in and been like, how did you, yes. Like, who like gave you this info. Why do I all of a sudden feel like I can, Ooh. I can, I feel like I'm in my room. Again. How creepy. So like the, the, literal structure of the set and they had a 13 million dollar budget oh apparently so like they built a house from head to toe that was like a pretty solid replica of the real thing that's with the wallpaper and everything Ugh. wallpaper and everything um so that's just super weird and then of course i couldn't do this without telling you what happens on ghost adventures yes so this is the season premiere of season 22 um it's a 90 minute special oh yeah and they're freaked the fuck out the whole time. Ah. Um, so they're, I'm just, I did a few quick things. I didn't want to talk about them forever. And I also, you know, I want there to still be some allure. Yeah, I'm going to watch it. Watching. I think I'm going to watch it tonight. It that should be the first in me... your queue since I watched it on your account to do these notes. Oh, fantastic. So. <laughs> you mean the one that you changed from poop head to pee pee head? Pee pee face. Yeah. Pee pee. F- God damn it. Em. You're my little pee pee face. What's wrong with that? I don't understand. Oh my so, God. Okay, so they're already getting immediately like crazy spike readings on all of their meters and their equipment. Zach, of course, is very angry and on edge, <laughs> although I'm unsure if that's the ghosts at this point. It's um, just his, his homeostasis. That's just how he is at like base <laughs> level. Uh, everyone keeps it's this is very weird because it sounds a lot like they usually what I think of Ghost Adventures is like I feel like they get a lot of information from the people telling the story and then if this show were fake they could easily use that information to like kind of uh write their own story of what happens like if they heard from the people on the walkthrough like oh we get really angry out of nowhere and then all of a sudden zach gets really angry Uh right after i had done so much of my own research on this house the clearly the to me the ghost adventures episode only focuses on like very few storylines and it doesn't really go deep into mm-hmm. um anything like the trances or people getting trapped in boxes or the, right. the um the voices either th- being thrown so you think you can hear someone in a room where they're not or like the bubbling the sound so you can't hear people screaming for help it didn't cover any of that and what's weird is those were all the things that were happening on the show <gasps> And so I feel you like, had the intel. Oh my god! 
I feel like that made it more real because you know if Zach knew that was a regular symptom, he would oh, have narrated 100%. that information. Percent. So it was super creepy that like Is this they... the same entity that threw mm-hmm. the voices? I mean, yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, we all know if Zach knew the story of kids getting trapped in boxes, he would have sat in a box. Put and, like, himself in a box. He would have absolutely been like, Lock me in the box. Aaron and get it. He actually would have been like, Aaron, get in the box. <laughs> I'm gonna sit on it. <laughs> so uh Anyway, so like it was weird seeing how that much stuff is so he interesting. Could, he could have really highlighted them, but he didn't know that information, so he didn't. It makes it say yeah it. more realistic because you're like, well, he didn't yeah. even know to talk about it. Wow. So everyone on the show seemed like they were going in and out of this trance. Like there was at least one scene that was really creepy where like everyone was just weirdly silent because all of them had fallen into like different Ugh. trances. It was super eerie. Yeah. They were all like kind of just checking out mentally. And even so Andrea Perrin even guest stars on the walkthrough with them. Oh, fun. Just to tell them like, oh, and this happened here, this happened here. Um, And at different times, Zach is like either getting really angry, like literally even tells Andrea Perrin, you are a very nice lady, but I am so mad right now. (laughs) (laughs) I can't cope with this man. He's just so much. So he... uh, he ends up like kind of like like checking out like he's like not really there they're like are you okay and he's not responding and then he'll come back and he apologized to andrea and he was like i don't know what to say my mind's just kind of getting away from me and andrea responded with this she said yeah you're going in between dimensions that happened to us a lot we didn't ever know if it was 1976 1876 1776 1676 because in this house there is no time (gasps) what oh my god no she was like there is no time don't worry it happens all the time don't worry she was she really did the see she seemed the least unfazed she was like yeah yeah. you're going in between dimensions we it's don't worry about you're not the first okay calm down (laughs) it's like calm down my mom saw a whole thanksgiving dinner in the dining room (laughs) uh and a whole thanksgiving dinner saw her uh, yeah, I've been doing this. <laughs> and since didn't I was offer to share desserts? Yeah, I'm confused. Maybe they did. Maybe that's what changed everything. Have that's why she started healing. She, she had some <laughs> real old fashioned apple pie. That's what Yum. happened. That fixes everything. But so she said, there is no time here. Oh, um, my God. And truly, for 90 minutes of this, it felt like a lot of the 90 minutes was people just tripping balls. Like they were just. Oh, shit. Like they were blacking out. They were completely checked out at certain times. They're getting really angry. At one point, the lights are very obviously flickering in specifically Andrea's bedroom. And they're all outside. but You can see it in the window, which like I'm aware if you're like Blaze or someone, it could be an intern at the light switch. Like I get it. (laughs) But like. It, if it's if you're not, a former intern like me and M, and we're like, well, we know that that might be something we'd have to do. But like, if it's not, and that was real, it was really fucking freaky. There were yeah. uh, people; they all felt different, weird, icy spots floating around them. They actually saw the black fog a bunch of times after talking Ugh. to a bunch of people. Um, the SLS, the stick figure machine. Oh yeah, that uh, thing freaks me out. Caught two full bodies on command. It said, show yourself. And then two bodies showed up. Oh. They got an EVP of a voice saying, leave. Um, some of the items were, it sounded like they were moving around. You could hear like things like kind of clanking into each other in a room that nobody was in. Uh, they heard growls in real life. Uh, 
And all of this has like are things that other people have also experienced. Like the black fog seems like at, I've heard of at least four different families. Yeah, having even the seen ones the black who fog. didn't believe there were ghosts were like, oh well, we did see the black fog. <laughs> but yeah, so like I feel like the black fog is the main character. Here. Yeah, so I, I feel like that's if anyone is Bathsheba. Um, <laughs> the they also got their legs grabbed. They heard a huge bang, which again. If I'm watching it and assuming everything that's happening is real, that bang was very, very loud and intentional. Um, it was like someone dropped something on a hard floor upstairs. Um, and then Zach freaks out because he feels like he's getting stabbed in his side, like really badly, where he like falls to the ground. Oh, dear. Um, Aaron sees a man behind Zach. People keep going into trances again. And then Jay and Aaron start a ritual downstairs oh, in the for basement. God's sake. And when they light a match in the basement for this ritual, the ovulus says, Cellar Blaze. <gasps> so. Uh, also, during part of their investigation, they invited on Carl and Keith, the two original <laughs> investigators. Yep. Um, and I will say, holy crap, if you're going to watch anything, watch that part. It was like 45 minutes-ish in where Carl... I'm pretty sure was possessed. It was very creepy. Um, he He's sitting at the table in the room where they had the seance and he like slumps down kind of like Carolyn did. And he has this really weird voice and keeps chanting, don't leave. But in a very, it was a very weird voice. Don't leave. Like, it was like, yeah, I don't understand it, which makes Ugh. it even weirder to me. He starts breathing really heavily and freaking out. And then at some point he says he saw the black fog surround him and then he woke up. No, no. And and then he like told his brother, like, you have to do a protection spell or, or a protect, protection blessing over worry. me. Uh, Jay and Aaron have a match and they're doing a ritual they can do one for you. <laughs> so here's my favorite thing. This was honestly the most real or relatable, at least, I think Zach Bagans has ever oh, been. Oh, God. Because all of them at different times, I heard at least two of the main three Ghost Adventures crew at different times were getting so irritable and so freaked out that... They at different points, like, just were like gonna give up their fucking careers. They what? like even Zach at one point. This is a quote from him: "What are we even here for? Like, what's the point of this? Like, what we just piss them off and then what?" <gasps> <laughs> it's like, like <laughs> wow. First of all, you breaking must be the so fourth scared. fucking wall. I feel like we've all just had a moment. Yeah, <laughs> like I was like, I feel like every time I've watched Ghost Adventures with you, that's something you scream at the TV. You're Constant. like, what are you, what are you even doing what this for? Like, you're just this? gonna piss them off and then what? He literally said that, and then someone else, I think Aaron said it too. But they Put were your shirt back on. Out. And I say a lot. Um, you did. I say a lot of things repeatedly. That's that's a common one though. Yeah. Something super creepy too with like Zach always makes all of them turn their phones off before an investigation right. just so it doesn't mess with any of the meters. His phone turned on by itself and then an unknown caller calls him and then Siri on her own like has a prompt on his phone that says, are you dead? Ew, what? Is that not the creepiest Ew. thing in the world? <clears throat> and then at one point... Billy feels something lunge at him and on camera gets all the hangers moving by themselves. Ugh. Again, could be an intern with a string. I know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then Billy, uh, the what was so similar about the sound of like, or about the house being able to like bubble out people calling for help. Yeah. Billy goes upstairs swearing he's hearing footsteps upstairs and thinks it's Zach. And he's like, Zach, where are you? Where are you? And he's like shouting for them. And they're all only like one floor down and <gasps> never heard him screaming. For yeah, them. I don't like that. So the last thing I'm going to say is 
when the Ghost Adventures crew was at this house, it was in 2019, right when it had been purchased by a new family. Right. So the new family to buy it in 2019 was Corey and Jennifer Heinzen. And they bought this property together. Apparently, like, this feels like me as a dad. Um, Corey was a paranormal investigator and he was part of a paranormal Facebook page and saw that the house was for sale. Oh, wow. He went out there and did it. And so he like, he had a, like a family meeting with his wife and kids and they all agreed together. They were going to buy it. At least he had a meeting. I mean, it seems like the first, uh, what was her name? Carolyn was like, oh, I did a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Carolyn was like, I saw an ad for it. We must do it. Sorry. It's Um, too late. I already spent our life savings. (laughs) And so, uh, the family agreed that they were going to buy it together and they opened it to the public for tours for overnights and for oh, filming. That's genius. And they even do, uh, they did like online internet live streams, uh, in the pretty, middle of the night where smart. you could like, you could ask questions and all this kind of stuff. And while they're doing an investigation, you could be a part oh, of the live how stream. How cool is that? So during COVID, because we were all inside and nothing to do, their daughter was at the house one day and made a TikTok, and it blew the fuck oh, up. Oh shit. So I want to give a shout out to TikTok handle Madison.Heinzen207. Holy shit. How cool. And so now she's, because she got so big on TikTok with this, I think the original, uh, the original tag was like, she was just standing in the house with, I think the caption was like, oh, Annabelle scares you. My parents bought the conjuring house. Like something like that. <laughs> I think we got tagged in that. I think I got tagged in that too on TikTok. I feel like I saw that. <laughs> well, so uh, now that she had this like conjuring house platform, she was doing house tours, showing you different rooms. She was answering uh, cool. frequently asked questions. She was doing like other live streams in the house too. She even showed one. There's one wall in the house that now has a bunch of signatures on it, including from the Ghost Adventures crew <gasps> and the Perrin family. How cool! And uh, she says that the house is still haunted to this day. They have definitely seen the fog. Even her brother, I think, was the one that got interviewed on Ghost Adventures and because he had just seen the fog and he was freaked the fuck out. Oh. Um, and they've seen lights. They've heard growls and knocking and objects have moved. Um, and she, during an interview, heard... So in the Conjuring movie, I told you about the hide and hide and seek clapping game yes. in the last episode. So they would play hide and seek, but they would clap as a way of like a Marco Polo or mm-hmm. hot and cold, letting the seeker know where they were in the house. And uh, I guess during an interview, I don't know if she was talking about that specifically or whatever, but in the other room on the interview, you can even hear it too. There are two claps in the other room, <gasps> like in the game. Ew, I hate that. So there, and you can see that on her TikTok too. She has a video of Ooh. the interview and then they, in the other room you hear. Did people Ooh. talk about it in the interview? Yeah, they all freaked out. They she, said it, it, yeah. she said it was one of the scarier things that's happened to her. Um, she also saw an apparition of a woman in a dress uh, walking past her. And as soon as she like looked up, it was gone. But she told her parents and they were like, oh yeah, a bunch of people see that woman. Welcome to the club. <laughs> uh, the place she also I don't I didn't see this anywhere, but she was able to say this on her TikTok that apparently the place for a brief moment was also a daycare center for children. Oh, what? And something happened that she doesn't even know what it was. But one day all the moms came in and unenrolled their kids on the same day. 
they were just like one of them called on the phone tree and was like um i found out some hot (laughs) goss about this building (laughs) maybe honestly that'd be really funny if just like the gossip of a three-year-old got everyone really researching the house (laughs) but it was in the 80s and they all the all the kids just stopped going one day. But uh, I guess Madison on her TikTok, she's shown drawings that are still left over from the kids. No, no, during, no. And I was going to say one of them. A few of the drawings from different children are a picture of a woman with a crooked neck. No. No. And no. L- let me send you this picture, too, because I wanted to show it to you. We can I put it on our. It. We can put it on our Instagram. I don't um, want it. Here is one picture of that. Oh my God. Stop it. That's horrible. One of the drawings. And then also what's even creepier. um, I'll send you this picture too. Uh, On during one investigation, an SLS camera, the stick figure camera actually got a stick figure apparition with its head crooked. Oh no. Isn't that crazy? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. No, thank so, you. So, anyway, that is just beyond. And there, that we'll one picture. on our Instagram, by the way. That one picture with the crooked neck. Uh, there was another picture right underneath it of a different kid drawing. And it was another crooked neck lady. Um, <sighs> so, I guess that would make sense with the parent dream of a woman with a neck snap. Yeah. You know? So, this week, actually, in hot news, which, yes, I have been tagged in it. I appreciate everyone tagging me, but it, I'm announcing it now. We don't need to tag me anymore. Well, it's going to be five weeks from now that people hear this, so too late. <laughs> I've been getting tagged what for what feels like five weeks. So I think I just I I just want everyone to know I'm very aware of it. Thank you for making me aware of it. <laughs> uh, this week, it was announced that the family is selling the house. <gasps> uh, it's selling for $1.2 million, which is like more than double or even triple what they paid for. So good for them. Wow, I feel like they made it. They did it big. I feel yeah. like her TikToking really helped. I feel like she was like the promoter of the I bet year. her dad is so proud though. Cause like I'm proud was, of her. I am too, but I bet like her dad who was like, oh, I, I'm going into this with a business plan. And then she's like, all right, dad, I can help. I just think that's she so was cute. Like, it's like a family like, affair. Hold my beer. I've got this. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Hold my non-alcoholic beer. Don't worry. Who knows? Who knows? But uh, so they ended up, they're now selling the house for definitely a profit. Uh, good for them. And also they did like so many wonderful things from what I can tell on her account of like doing these live streams, letting other people in, wow. be involved in the live streams, doing tours, like really promoting the story of this. her. How fun. Um, and... Uh, so they are selling it uh, in one of her two of her most recent videos. Uh, she was really upset about it. Like you can tell that they Aww. don't want to sell the house. I bet. Um, and also now she's TikTok famous. What's she going to do? So she is still going to do paranormal content. She's already said that that's still going to happen. Oh, it's just good. As long as the house is, is with them, she will be doing stuff Holy in the house. Shit, but she has over a million followers. Yo, that her first uh when she first posted that picture i think or posted that tiktok i think the current i think there's like three million views or something already or probably a lot more now but like something x number millions of views on that video she really blew up and so this is a quote from her video where she was telling everyone the house sold 
She said, uh, please know it was not an easy decision to make. It's something we've been contemplating for months now. It's taken a huge toll on me and my family's health and well-being, especially my dad's. And we just can't keep doing what we're doing. We're trying to live two different lives in Maine and Rhode Island. And it's just really hard. We're all heartbroken because we've been pushing ourselves so hard to make this work. We just pushed ourselves to the limit. Which, like, I totally get that. They were grinding, at least on TikTok from what I could see. And then I guess they were back in March or something, they were already sold out of like tours and overnights for the entire year of 2021. Wow. I mean, that's like, a huge business to be running. Yeah. And I think it, I think they maybe thought like, Oh, we're just like a small family business. And like, I don't think they ever expected they would be no. that sold out all the time. So I think it just, obviously it became overwhelming. So they are selling the house. They are now, um, she said she's still going to do paranormal content. Like I said earlier, her dad is a paranormal investigator. So I feel like this is not the end for them with that kind of stuff. Um, one thing, the last thing I'm going to say actually is I did look up the house on Zillow and if you, it is available to everybody, but there is a 3d tour of the entire house on Zillow. Um, I will send you the link. I have so much to do tonight, all these episodes and wow. Um, but yeah, so I just wanted to give a shout out to Madison.Heinzen207. And even though it looks like their Conjuring House adventure might not be, uh, it might be over, it doesn't sound like their paranormal content is going to be over. So please go follow them. Um, and yeah, wow. that's the story of the Perrin family haunting, aka oh, the Harrisville Farmhouse. God. I will say the same thing everyone on TikTok is saying. Uh, Raise your hand if you think Zach Bagans is going to try to buy the fucking house. Oh, 100%. No, no joke. Every comment is like Zach Bagans is typing. Like, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Oh, shit. I am. I'm really busy now. I'm sorry. I'm doing this tour, so I can't talk to you anymore. It's it's a long one. It's literally the whole house. So I'm going through every little of these like corn. They did a great job with this tour i kind of wish that i had shown you the tour before i did the entire story so you could see every room it's it makes it so much creepier because it is an old like farmhouse like you can tell this place is old af i saw one of the uh one of the tiktoks uh, madison was like no we do not actually officially live here we just bought it out but like we live in maine and we just work here. She was like, I could not live in that house. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I mean, I'd be terrified. I love this room that has like, I survived the Conjuring House merchandise in it. I'm in that same room right now. Oh, my God. Look to the right. There's a poster of the Conjuring. Oh, look at that. <laughs> yeah. They, I oh mean, they've God, got a ha- the signature wall. Where is and it? they have the they have the uh, they have the squish squishmallow of the plague doctor that we want. Oh, do they really? Yeah. Where is it? Uh, I'm, I'm at the signature room. Oh, I see it. I see it. It's by the TV. Yeah, that's the one Em and I want. <laughs> wow. I thought there was... So I didn't realize that... I thought there was a little signature wall. I didn't know... It's literally, a whole room. There's a whole room where ev- just all of the walls are signed by all these people. I'm trying to zoom in. Oh, my God. Paranormal, Paranormal New, New England. England. Wait, the, wait, look up We're to the top. We're in the same place. Look, to, look up to the top left. Ghost Adventures. Oh my god, I see it. Wow, we're on the same tour here. This is fun. Fun stuff. This is so cool, Em. You guys um, should really we'll put this all on I don't know how we'll do it on our Instagram, but we'll do it. We can we can post it in our story and do like a, oh, swipe that's a good up idea. thing or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um Wow. But yeah, there you go. So Cape that's Cod Paranormal. That's the story. 
The parents also signed it. So how cool is that? This is really neat. That's got to be really fun to be one of the parents, though, and like go in and see all of the signatures of people who want to know your story. Yeah. That's got to be been, like impacted by it. Especially when you were there for a decade and like felt like you needed to keep all this to yourself. And, and now it was like, like hell for you. Like, yeah, it, and you had to keep it a secret, but now, like, look at all the signatures in your Aww. house where it happened, and all these people want to hear what you went through, and, like, you don't have to keep it a secret anymore. That's so cool. Also, in that same signature room, there, look in that ceiling, there's, like, a creepy pull-down attic that I want nothing to do with. Oh, I see it, It's yeah. like a string on the <laughs> ceiling. No, 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 no. Apparently, in the attic is where a few people hanged themselves. Okay, so. yeah, not going up there. Anyway, so there you have it. This is so cool, Em. This is one of the coolest stories you've ever done. See, I'm glad we did a two-parter because that was like a full another hour of content. Yeah, it was a long one. I did not know it what we great. wanted to do. I just love that we could fit two whole episodes into it. That's amazing. Um, wow, what a story, Em. Uh, okay, I'm going to do this tour later. For now, I'll, I'll get back to the show, I guess. Explore new possibilities, pleasure zones, and find your vibe at funlove.com. Funlove.com is a leading online retailer of sensual health and wellness products, offering a wide array of premier brands of toys, lingerie, and accessories. I know I've talked about it before, but we received the most lovely gift basket from Funlove. First of all, I didn't know what it was at first, and then when I pulled out a vibrator, I thought, oh boy, this is not your everyday fruit basket. There was everything, I'm telling you, from sexy perfumes to toys to vibrators to lube. I mean, I gotta say, it's like a one-stop shop, okay? If you go to funlove.com and you're looking for maybe a romantic evening, either with a loved one or with yourself, they've got what you're looking for, I can promise you. So what are you waiting for? Explore, discover, indulge, and make love fun by visiting funlove.com. And if you live in Arizona or Colorado, check out one of their 18 store locations. Hey, maybe I'll stop by when I'm in town. And for a limited time, you can save 30% off your first order when you use the code DRINK at funlove.com. Head to funlove.com today and use code DRINK at checkout to save 30% off your first order. Visit funlove.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Um, would you like to hear a story? Yes. 100%. What if I, yeah, okay, sorry, if the right answer is no, then the wrong answer is having a podcast where I have to listen to this. That's kind of exactly stuff. right. And you've you selected the wrong answer. No matter what I was going to be wrong. You fail. Okay, okay because I, this time I'd like to hear something. Remember what I said? Oh, I don't want to do this one for Halloween because it's too dark and Oh, sad. for fuck's sake, well, Christine. Well, it's the notes I had. <laughs> So now we're just doing, now I'm, I'm just sorry. hearing the really fucked up story we avoided last week. Yes. I had to do it at some point. Okay, fine. It's going to be a lot of, this is a trigger warning that children it are is. involved. It is. I want to uh, be upfront here and say this is a tough one. Um, it's a particularly horrible story. It features child abuse, um, cannibalism. Oh, um, shit. I just mean. Just a lot of like really. <sighs> wow. 
sexual assault, just like the all the, all the big stuff. Okay, everybody, it's it's covers all the bases, and I just want to warn you, it's a toughie. So if you have to dip out, I understand. Okay. Um, yikes. Okay. Yeah. So let's. Just I don't get know into what the, I don't know what the actual topic. Oh, is. Oh, I like, haven't even told you what it is. Yeah. No, sorry. I just know that it's bad. So. Yeah. So the story is Joachim Kroll, um, and he's a German man who just did some really bad things. Huh. Okay. In the 70s. So okay. I'm just going to tell you about him. Uh, I'm so sorry in advance. Um, okay, let's get started. July 3rd, 1976. Police went from house to house. Uh, oh, by the way, this takes place in Germany. So there's going to be a lot of <laughs> German words. Just Yay! Wanna... Okay, that's, that's the, the upside, fun though. side. Yeah, <laughs> that's the upside. We get to hear Christine speak German. Also, are I... you teaching your baby German? Uh, I We're trying to. I mean, it's hard because Blaze doesn't speak it. So it's like we can't speak it all the time but um, i like my, how you said we are trying to and it's hard and in my head i was like because the baby isn't here yet <laughs> well like, also that but it'll be hard because yeah we can't like i spoke it because we only spoke it at home we didn't speak anything else but gotcha that can't quite fly with someone who doesn't speak it but you my could mom, just teach blaze and the baby at the same time i mean i that's a lot to put on my plate <laughs> <laughs> i'm not responsible for that he's he a capricorn he'll figure it out he's he'll learn okay. it himself then he should have learned it by now it's been seven years he's been with me very true um my mom what it wants to try and you know she's a german professor so if anyone can teach it it's her we'll see um okay you ready mm-hmm. all right so july 3rd 1976 police went from house to house on Fries- friesenstrasse there's a lot of german words i'm so sorry and some of them i say in German and some I don't. Honestly, just... the fact that you're apologizing is really getting in the way of me getting to hear you speak German. Oh, so sorry. So all right, all right. Just hurry it up. Friesenstrasse. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Sorry, where am I? Um, they were looking for uh, Marion Kettner, a four-year-old who had gone missing. Okay. Um, one of the locals, Oscar Mueller, approached a policeman and told him that he was suspicious of his neighbor. When the police asked him to elaborate, the main reason he had these suspicions was because his apartment's waste pipe was abnormally blocked, (gasps) which led to a strange encounter with said neighbor, Joachim Kroll. Oh, God. Okay. When Oscar approached the neighbor, Kroll had advised him not to use the shared toilet because it's blocked and, quote, full of guts. Oh, so, like, we're not even hiding. (laughs) It's just... You couldn't even say, like, full of poop. Like, you had to really... Full yeah. of guts. So, like, there's really no other thing that it could be except that he's a killer. Except, like, um, this isn't normal. Something's wrong here. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Well, Continue. with this information, police are like, we're going to go chat with this guy. Um, and so they make their way to his apartment. And when they tell him about what his neighbor had just said, Kroll reassured him that what he meant was it was just a rabbit's guts that were in the drain pipe. Okay, but also, like, I feel so bad for this neighbor because, like, you just got thrown so under the bus and you live next door to this murderer. Um, yeah. Whether or not you know it's a murderer yet, if I ever thought some, if I ever thought there was a chance that my neighbor was a murderer and then I told the police and then they told him what I said. Yeah, they're like, this guy I'm called dead. me. Like, are you kidding <laughs> yeah, me? That's a like, good point. The police did not give a fuck. That oh my is God. such a good point. I would literally have to tell them, like, and also such a specific, it's not even like you can make up a fake name. You're just like, like the the gut story was told yeah. to one person, like. To Oscar. Oh my God. I would be, I would be, I would be moving out. There'd be no way. Yeah. So poor Oscar gets thrown right under the bus and the neighbor's like, no, no, no. Oscar's just being silly. I meant rabbit guts. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. Silly Oscar. It gets really bad here. 
The police were like, okay, but they decided to look around the apartment just in case. They saw that he was cooking something in the kitchen. And uh, it wasn't a bunny rabbit, was it? No, it wasn't. It was that four-year-old, wasn't it? Looking into the pan, they found he was cooking potatoes, onions, a hand, and some carrots in okay. boiling water. Okay. okay. So then they went to check on the waste pipe with a plumber and discovered there were other bits of very evidently human remains, specifically intestines, which had been clogging up the sewer system. Okay. So, like, uh, definitely human guts. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, Kroll was arrested immediately, and it was later confirmed that the remains were, tragically, those of the missing girl, Marion Kettner. Yeah, okay, well. Uh, Ooh, in the investigation, is... he didn't deny his crimes at all. I mean, it sounded like he was on the way out already with his, like, gut talk. It seems like he wasn't hiding very well. I mean, he also literally, like, they walked in on him cooking a hand. So, like, yeah. what were you going to say? Well, right. What were you going to say? Good point. Um, and so within a few days, he confessed to a total of 14 murders. Wow. Uh, which spanned over the course of 20 years. So this is the story of Wahim Kroll. Okay. Way to, way to start it, though. Yeah. Like, great. In theory. Start with was, a bang. Well, is that, tell me that's the only child stuff, yes? No. <laughs> okay. Well, never mind then. I was going to say at least it ends no, there, right? There's okay. no at least, unfortunately. At least you get a taste of what the whole thing's going to be like. So. Are all 14 children? No. Okay. Well, you know. Yeah, <laughs> Great. But, no. It's I'm like, grasping at straws here. I know. Okay? It's, okay. it's hard to find a positive spin to this, but he's known as the Roar Hunter, um, which is the area he was in. Uh, just the word hunter. We talked about this last mm-hmm. week, but like it just makes it so much worse. Really makes it hunter awful. with humans. Mm-hmm. So his name is Wahim Georg Kroll. He was born April 17th, 1933 in Hindenburg, um, near the Polish border of Nazi Germany, born into a mining family. Wahim had either eight or nine siblings, depending on the source. There's not much from his childhood, but a lot of articles feature the information that, that as a young child, he frequently wet the bed and more alarmingly was said to have sexually abused animals. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Um, wow. So as we know, this is part of uh, the McDonald triad, which is a set of, it's a theory that there's a set of childhood behaviors that can point to violent tendencies later in life. Do you remember the third one? Fun pop quiz. Oh, okay. So you. There's cruelty to animals, bedwetting. Uh-huh. Um, uh, don't tell me. I won't. I mean, it's not just like that there's a head injury, right? Or is that what no. you're talking about? Okay. Um, I'm going to feel so silly when I hear it, but what is it? Arson. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. So those are the three that are often pointed to as potential precursors to a more violent adulthood. Okay. What? Uh, yeah. Yes. So he's setting things on fire as well. No, he's not. He's bedwetting and sexually abusing animals oh that was just a fun little quiz for me that was just part that they these two were part of the two things he did were part of the mcdonald triad and then the third was the quiz for you just yeah okay i just i didn't know if that was coming up later and we'd be like aha there's the no that was just to see if you if i don't know that was me trying to add some levity to the conversation thank you i love a little trivia and i will get an a next time (laughs) okay great um i'll hold you to it so when Kroll was very young, his father was forced into the German army where the Russian army took his dad as a prisoner of war and he never returned home. I'm sure that triggered not so good things either. Yeah, it did not help. 
no. Um, and so when this happened, Kroll, his siblings, remember he has like eight or nine siblings, mm-hmm. uh, moved into a small two bedroom apartment where like a lot of other people during this time suffered of severe hunger and poverty. Jesus. Um, at school, Kroll was always observed to be much smaller than other students. He was often bullied for having a low IQ. It seems from a couple sources that his IQ was around 76 or 78, and apparently he didn't quite know how to read. Mm-hmm. So he was struggling in all aspects of life. Um, and by age 15 in 1948, he had repeated quite a few grades at school and decided he was going to leave school and become a farmhand instead. Okay. So... <sighs> He became a farmhand, which sounds all well and good, uh, until years later we found out that during this time as a farmhand, uh, as a teenager, he realized, as he witnessed pigs being slaughtered, he discovered that blood sexually aroused him. So okay. that was kind of his turning point of, aha, I found my new hobby. I like, okay. Well, I wonder what his realization of that looked like. Like, I hope, was part of him like, this is odd. Or, you know, I wonder what, I what know. his side I, of that experience was. Or I imagine was like, it was oh, probably well. like, I didn't expect that, but here we are. I don't oh, know. No. Yeah. Sick. Um, so he'd later reveal there was one woman who remains anonymous, good for her, uh, who he began dating around this time as well. So Film Daily reports that Kroll would feel shown up by this relationship because he felt awkward and inadequate because the only sexual encounter he had with this woman he was dating at the time was, quote, a failure. And because of this, oh, my God, Kroll made his own executive decision that he'd only have sexual encounters with people who, in his own words, could not complain about his performance. (gasps) Oh, no. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's just so bad so this started off all well and good he began by buying sex toys and gadgets and inflatable sex dolls uh whom he would strangle for pleasure okay it starts Um, with dolls so you know if it stayed there fine but unfortunately we know it doesn't so yeah i was gonna say nothing wrong with doing whatever you want with the doll but keep it at the doll but like maybe yeah that's draw a line somewhere draw a line somewhere (laughs) yeah um so when his mother died at age 22 apparently he like fully snapped and kind of went off the rails so speaking to police in 1976 Kroll remembered his first attack to have happened in february 1955 which was the month after his mother died when he strangled murdered and then raped a 19 year old woman named irmgard strail in a barn uh there's so many german words here sorry uh, in a barn near Ludinghausen, near Wallstede. Nobody okay. needs to know that, but it's... But we all enjoyed it. But we all enjoyed it, did we? That's the levity we're looking for right now. Yeah, just let me distract you with a lot of sounds coming out of my mouth. Yeah. Um, so Irmgard was a 19-year-old runaway and had been lured by Kroll into the barn, and he told her he had a precious gift for her. Oh, God. I know. Yikes. So five days later, her body was found. It had been severely disemboweled. Crucially, no evidence seemed to have been left behind for police to find. So even though I guess he has a low IQ, it's not that low to. He's, he's unfortunately out. Yeah, he's not dumb enough to like get caught right away, which is a real fucking bummer. Um, so this murder was followed a year later by the 1956 murder of Erica Schuletta. Um, she's a 12 year old. And he raped and strangled her. 
and he had been I known. I don't know why I'm surprised every time. I keep I going. Know, but but it's like it needs a reaction. You know, it's like it can't not have a reaction because it's also like that's true. It's I horrific. I, yeah, yeah. It's I just tough. it is a genuine reaction and then later i'm like why what did i think was going to happen like he, like, he said no more of this and like I know. went to the zoo like no, now that would have gotten a reaction wow <laughs> you know what no matter what there's going to be Huzzah! a reaction i know oh i wish so okay. he'd been known within his neighborhood to hand out candy to local children um as well as show the young girls his doll collection that he had hmm Okay, and, I hate that. Because... And so, yeah. And so that's how he lured Erica in, the 12-year-old girl. Got he it. said he had some dolls to show her. So behind closed doors, Kroll would then oh, use these dolls as part of his disgusting sexual fantasies. It was said, oh, okay. It's just so bad. I'm sorry. What did he do? It was said that after he'd murdered the children, he would go home to like continue these acts on the dolls and relive the violent acts over and over. Oh, ew. So like they were all individual souvenirs or something like, no, he would like kill it, kill somebody and then come home and like reenact it over and over again with the dolls. Right. But it feels like that's kind of like the same thing as like having a souvenir from a murder, but it's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Like he's like reliving it. Right. Yeah. 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 Like a trophy type thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, So, Though Kroll would say that between 1956 and 1959, he didn't commit any more murders. Police don't believe it and think they just haven't linked him to those murders. Hey, I immediately also agree. And don't uh, think yeah, that. I don't think they're wrong. Yeah, I think it was worse than we think it was. And it was, it's already pretty fucking bad. OK, so it was in 1959 that Kroll moved to Duisburg, where he lived on Friesenstrasse, which was the one that I mentioned in bullet number one, where they were going from house to house on the street and they found oscar who was like hey my neighbor's being really right weird. okay cool so he moved there in 59 and he worked as a lavatory assistant and lavatory a- assistant yeah <laughs> like a janitor no so this is a german thing i guess oh, um, okay. oh like Germ- a person who gives you like a paper towel when you wash your hands not quite so in germany the the bathrooms are you you often have to pay for them like public bathrooms but they have people constantly there who clean them like right after they're used so they're like always extremely clean oh so okay it's a nice setup it's very german it's like you pay like 25 cents or something and then you get like a really clean nice public bathroom um it's it's a very good setup in my opinion nice wow that's a great job i thought you at first said laboratory assistant i went okay and then i went she said that weird (laughs) lavatory yeah it's kind of like September September. Is it lab or lab? Anyway. In German, a laboratory and a lavatory. They're all the same. No. Also, like, how American is it that my thought of, like, the only thing you could possibly be a lavatory assistant for is, like, handing someone a paper towel and Well, I mean, day. you know, that's part of it, too. Refilling the paper towels, like... I mean, that happens, too, like it does here. I had Um, no idea that they had such a quick, efficient system. It's, well, hello. Who do you think we're talking about? It's the Germans here, man, if anyone's going to do it. Yeah, it's very, like, even if you stop at, like, a rest stop, like, their their rest stops or truck stops or whatever are really, really nice. And uh, 
you go and you can use the bathroom and they have someone there who's constantly keeping it like really clean and nice and then when you leave like sometimes you get a token for like a free coca-cola oh my god that's so nice wait so you get rewarded for making yeah. peeps and poops oh my god oh my yeah. god we so should also, go to germany you would love it i at least would love the bathrooms also yeah it's like, really nice i feel like i feel bad for that person when it's like a stinky situation you well gotta go it's right also in, awkward when, it's... when you're the person who did that and you're like sorry Oh, yeah. Like, also, I wish I just, could warn you away. Yeah. Could you tell them, like, can you stay outside for a second? And then, like, because, like, you're going to, what if you make a lot of noise and they just are it, there for the ride? That's the downside. And I don't like that part. But that's the downside for the pooper, not the poopy. For both. Yeah. Oh, yeah. True. And, like, there have been part- times where I've been, like, they're, like, standing outside the stall. And I'm, like, all right, this is a little close for comfort, you know? Like, I guess it's kind of like going to, like, a doctor where like for you it feels really invasive They've but for them everything. they're like i do this all the time <laughs> yeah I, that's I wonder if they're like yeah 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 you're sitting in there for a few minutes like that's not really what do you that think wild. we're all thinking you're doing right yeah oh i mean fair point also so, i wonder what the da- sorry i wonder what no, the no. dangers are of that if you're like at a, a road stop in the middle of nowhere like how many of those people get like mugged or hurt or i don't know everything's very like at least it's all very tip-top shape it's not really like run down know. and rugged yeah it's not like you know you don't picture like an abandoned gas station here where it's like a, an outhouse in the middle of nowhere i don't know yeah. this is my experience which is arguably limited so i don't totally know but anyway i have a lot of questions obviously i just if anyone is a german lavatory assistant can you dm me because i got things to ask yeah yeah but dm me too because i don't want you just dming em and saying like christine was wrong or something i want to be in on the conversation because i'm worried i fucked it up and i don't want to get everybody upset i think i'm pretty i mean that's my experience with it but yeah so i'm assuming that's what his job was um, as a lavatory assistant okay so according to a website called serial killer calendar great I, i just need you to react to that okay oh okay I mean, that's like, honestly, that's our job where that's like, that's the doctor with the invasive stuff. That's me being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Serial killer. (laughs) Okay. What am I supposed to react to? What do you think you're, what do I think you're going to say? Serial killer calendar. Yeah. Oh my God. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. I'm trying to add levity. You always ask me to add levity. So I say serial killer calendar. I figure at least you could be like, here's the, here's what I would like to know first. Who is June? Oh, who is the month of June? Yeah, let me check. That's a good question. That, I bet it's fucking John Wayne Gacy. I bet it's Ed Gein. I don't know why. I bet it's Ted Bundy. He was a Gemini. Mm. Let's find out. Oh, my God. Massive hardcover collector's edition of Serial Killer magazine. Okay. Uh, you know, they're not going to tell me month by month. Well, then I don't know what to tell you. I don't like super love this. It's a little. Asking for a friend, though, if anyone does make a podcaster calendar, can we be June? Can I be June? Can we be June? We'll be I the feel... twins. <gasps> Wait you a know? minute. How someone fun. someone make a podcast. Please. Just make us June. That's all we want. Can I be all the other months, too? Oh, OK. Well, yeah. And th- <laughs> and there's the Gemini part of it, actually. Can Please. Someone just make a calendar of us. Thank you so much. Please. <laughs> Okay, sorry. So there's we there's serial killer a there's serial killer calendar. Yes, is the website, and they make like big books about serial killers. So, uh-huh. according to this website, Kroll was known by local children as Uncle Wahim. So they called Ooh. him Uncle. Like he handed out candy to the kids in the neighborhood. It's just grody. 
because he handed out the toys, candy, and dolls he kept in his apartment. Uh, Despite the rules of the building, Kroll invited all the children into his home, feeling they were his true friends. Big woof. Uh, Kroll loved attention from the young girls that played in the area, treating them as his own nieces. That's not how you treat nieces. That is the opposite. Uh, I got a niece. I got a few of them. And you know what? That's not it. That's That's not not it, my friend. That's not how we do it. That's That's not not the Funko lifestyle, you know? No, no, no. No. So for years, Joachim lived on this Friesenstrasse, indulging the young children with treats and little gifts. And parents of the local families remember him as a pleasant and thoughtful man who seemed to want a family of his own. Oh, my God. Big, big yikes. So on March 24th, 1959, he struck again. He ate attacked a 23-year-old woman who was experiencing homelessness. Her name was Erica. And according to a website called magic.be, she was spotted by Kroll in a tavern in the old part of Duisburg and invited for a walk. Suddenly, he hit her with his fist and started oh. strangling her. Oh, geez. She lost consciousness, and when she woke up, he had disappeared. So fortunately, she did manage to survive, unlike a lot of his victims. Right. Um, so unfortunately, a couple months later... Kroll attacked again, murdering 24-year-old Clara Tesmer uh, in the Rheinhausen Woods in basically the spot where he left Erica. So it was sort of like she had survived. And so he like redid it with another person. Oh, like all the way down to the location, which is kind of Yeah, like he left her in the same spot. Like he needed to cross it off his list. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bad. So five boys out on their bicycles discovered her body and the police were quickly called to the crime scene. But because this is a, a running pattern that happens here, a man known as Gunter K was the person last seen with Clara. Um, and because he was unable to provide an alibi, he was locked up for her murder <gasps> instead. Oh, my God. And like, and did, did he ever get released or anything or like so, ever find yeah. out? So thankfully, after six months, a final inquest was held and he was able to prove his innocence and was released. OK. I mean, still terrible. He spent six months. In Still terrible re that Amanda Knox bullshit of right, like right, being right. stuck in jail and you didn't do anything and so many other stories of like yeah uh, uh, going to jail innocent, while innocent. people yeah. yeah exactly um so by this point all three known victims had been subject to Kroll's ever growing mo which included targeting young women or girls before strangling and then raping them Oof. so his mo <laughs> adjusted uh. Oh, my God. When he murdered 16-year-old Manuela Knot in the Essen Forest. Uh, okay, this is where just things, again, escalate. So Manuela's body was found naked in some bushes. It was evident she had been strangled and raped. He had masturbated over her body and taken chunks of her skin Chunks of what? Oh, my God. With him chunks of her with him yeah they were gone what so at the time they didn't know who did it but like pieces of her were missing yeah that i got wait where to clarify i mean what like her face like her do we doesn't it doesn't matter it doesn't doesn't we don't know we don't know um we don't know but it says part of her buttocks and thighs and jesus skin yeah and how did he i mean again doesn't matter but like when they said chunks like i'm wondering if it's like, I don't know. They just took, he just took a knife and took slices I it was of just her? a knife, yeah. Oh my God, okay. Very gruesome. Um, he later admitted that on that day was when he tried cannibalism out on a whim. Oh. And 
Okay. <laughs> just a just a casual whim, you know. Right. Yeah. Like because he had like parts of her like about like neck on him, so he was just like, I might as well taste one. I think like, it was like, oh, I'm gonna try this. So then he took parts of her with him. Oh, so the intention was, I am bringing this back to cook it. Yeah. Okay. So that's, they later found out why there were pieces of her missing, basically. Um, Similar to the case of Clara Tesmer, Kroll was never originally suspected. In fact, the police thought this was the work of a gang of perverts in town. Oh, uh, no, just one pervert, actually. Just one big, big pervert, right. Uh, and he would continue to murder and eat his victims. That was his new M.O., uh, something he would later justify because. What? And why do you think he did that? What, what do you think his excuse was, his reasoning? Ugh, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know. Religion? Is it a belief system now? No, his grocery bills were too high. Oh, for fuck's sake. Okay. I, I know. that's why that's literally what he said he said meat was too expensive so he reckoned he would just eat humans my meat bill is also wildly high to be clear and i can tell you i still don't want to eat a human yeah uh i don't think that's it's like that guy i covered recently where he said like oh i was just doing it for money and it's like buddy we all know you weren't doing it for money like you were doing it for other sick reasons like don't pretend this is for grocery bills like don't act like this is budget friendly. Right, like, exactly. That's what we're doing here. You saw this yeah. on Pinterest. Yeah, you're full. This of was shit. on like extreme couponers or something. <laughs> Listicle somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what he said later. I mean, at this point, we they still think it's just a gang of perverts or a guy named Gunter. So they don't know yet. But the reason that Kroll was able to murder 14 people over 20 years is because pretty much every time other men were found guilty for his murders. Wow, he's like the king of like. Not even having to come up with an alibi. Evading just... it. Yeah. And, and the wild part is, Em, a lot of them turn themselves in. <gasps> what? I know. Sickos. But even like, I'm so confused. So what on earth was their motivation? <laughs> Nobody the- knows. That's so wild. It's like Unless- some criminal minds shit of like, this person just needs to be, get attention, notoriety. Like, who knows? Oh my God. Wow. That just lets you know how many sickos there are yeah. out there. Like. Like you didn't even you didn't even do this, and yet you the want to be known as the person who eats people. Eating children are like, yep, that was me. Look, why? I don't know. Yeah. So February thirteenth, nineteen sixty, twenty-four year old Horst Otto strutted into the Essen police station and confessed to Manuela's murder. He was promptly arrested and convicted to eight years in prison because of this confession. That wow. He just walked in and said it was me, and they were like, okay, eight years in prison. Which is so shitty, too, because now this other guy's like, great, I got away with it. I'll do it again, you know? So another local man from the area, a mechanic called Heinrich Ott, also turned himself in for one of Kroll's murders. This time it was the 1959 murder of Clara. And while he's awaiting trial, he hangs himself. So clearly there's some mental health issues happening here. That's Um, what it sounds like, yeah. Yeah. And so these confessions... uh, are just like helping him get away with these crimes because can you imagine like multiple times doing this and yeah. finding out that someone else like voluntarily took the heat for you you're like thanks I'd be buddy like, oh my god like what a hero again thank you yeah and it's like and then the guy dies by suicide so at this point they, he can't take it back like they just think he did it and then he died and that's that case closed mm. so it's not for years that they find out he actually did it so it's just wild um, so this plus uh, the fact that Kroll was able to cover his crimes by 
A, killing people in different ways and B, doing it in different parts of the country um, and not always using cannibalism, spicing it up, I guess. Okay. he was able to get away with this. So the only consistency in each crime was the aggressive sexual nature inflicted after death. And when there was cannibalism, there were crudely removed parts of the bodies. So those were the only like, it's weird that like, he's still able to control himself from not needing to eat people, but he's still act like you would think it's like part of the, I don't know, compulsion, compulsion or, or right. like something that he has to do, but like he doesn't even need to do that every time. So it's yeah, like, it, I feel like that just doesn't. I feel like that's such an active decision of his of like, oh yeah, like wow, matter I might as well eat this one. Like what made that person Well, more... the grocery bills were high at that week, you know. Oh, right. He was in right. a town with like only one grocery store. It was that Whole made, Foods. Obviously, yes. You're it's right. like the logic is so flawed. Uh well, the lack of logic, I guess. And police at this time weren't sure like why these body parts they didn't know about the cannibalism so they're thinking like maybe it was like a trophy that he's removing parts of the body which i guess sort of it is that yeah i guess it's in a, a way bigger trophy that you're eating it i guess yeah in his mind. yeah sick um so according to um an article by all that's interesting other killers operating in west germany had the police distracted in the years before joachim kroll began killing vanna boost uh had begun murdering couples in the area starting in the 50s so he and several other suspected killers are believed to have thrown police off Kroll's track because there were other active serial killers so he was able to kind of cover up his tracks by also kind of copying what other local killers were doing and like hiding behind them I mean I definitely don't want to give him credit but that is a smart tactic of like there's already a serial killer that they're looking for I can just do whatever the fuck I want no one would be looking for me like they're already distracted looking for this one guy. And if, yeah. yeah, exactly. They can just lump this crime in with his other ones. So because of these factors, including these men, like sacrificing themselves up to admit to these crimes they didn't do, Kroll was still roaming the streets of Duisburg. Apparently he had a moped and he would just drive around looking for victims. Wow. Yeah. Also like uh-huh. not the greatest getaway situation. No. Like you can't like. Like, at least with a with a car, like, you can hide the person you're trying to... True. Like, what are you going to do? Like, throw them over your shoulder and everyone watches them screaming? True and also, also balance with one hand on a moped while a body's flinging everywhere? Like, that... It doesn't make a... It's just that part isn't very wise if you're going to try to get away with those. Yeah, I think... I, even if you do convince a woman or a girl to come with you willingly, people would still see them with you, I would think, even if I they're mean, alive. Maybe that was part of, maybe he actually was like a sh- like more of a, like a schmoozer or like more charming and like they thought they were going on a date with him or something and then he drove them into the middle of nowhere. But that's what I'm saying. Like he did do that and that's what I'm saying. But wouldn't they, people still say, oh, the last person I saw her right. with was that guy on the moped. You know what I mean? Like even if they it went willingly... It was still like there would still be witnesses. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. My guess is he probably just couldn't afford a car, but I don't know. I mean, he um, clearly is like money, uh, money on the mind. So. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The grocery bill budgeting. Um. So anyway, on Easter Monday, April twenty third, nineteen sixty two, thirteen year old Petra Giza was raped and killed. She had been visiting a fair with her friend that day. Oh. <sighs> I know. And she was found the following day among some bushes. She had been strangled with her own scarf. And someone had removed her buttocks, her left forearm, and her hand. <gasps> oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. This is really fucking gruesome. It's really bad. Um, and police 
were quick to point their finger at the guy they knew did it, a local pedophile and sex offender named Vincent Kuhn. So a whole nother guy. They were like, that's the one who did it. I don't know. Like, I mean, it's just he's a, this is a very lucky killer. Lucky. Yeah. Very yeah. lucky. Because this guy was arrested and in prison for the murder right away. And they were like, we got him. He did it. No question. Like, very convenient, but also very so convenient. horrible. Yes. So two months later, only two months at this point, June 11th of 62, Monica Tafel was found via police helicopter in a cornfield in Valsum, having been strangled to death. Uh, parts of her body were missing. Curl had spotted Monica on the way to school on June 4th and dragged her into the field. Uh, again, the flesh of her buttocks had been removed. And this time, a 34-year-old pedophile named Walter Quicker was accused of the murder. Are you kidding me? I know. And it's kind of like, God, there are so many of these guys running around that are so easy to blame. Also, whatever the name of that other cannibal was who said that the butt actually tasted really bad, right? Oh, yeah, that was so gross. Which is yeah. so interesting that this person now keeps taking people's, like, meat off of their butt. Wait, yeah. So, I mean, just it's just a interesting fact of like i don't i don't really know what the point is it's just interesting that i the last person said that butts don't taste good but this person like seems to only be going for that i'm surprised yeah. if this is like his first time i guess it's not his first time anymore but if he's doing this non-stop or enough times that he could be trying different pieces it feels like yeah. he already went in knowing what he wanted or maybe it's like what's quickest well that he can well, like weird, run away faster like also a hand like i don't know yeah i wonder i mean it really it it doesn't matter but in terms of like being meticulous of with his thinking like is he just going for what's the fastest you can grab off of a Maybe. body or what or what genuinely tastes good because then i think if you're going if you're not going off of what tastes good versus what's the fastest like i feel like there's a conversation there about like power like i don't know why i feel like if you're I don't know. I'm really getting in my own head about this. Keep no, going. no, it's interesting. And I feel like he clearly this was not a well person. So I, I, I right. feel like my, I doubt in my head that it was like, a, oh, I'm going to make a great feast tonight. It's more just like about the like about reliving the kill. Like it probably didn't matter to him as much about what it actually tasted like than the fact that he could like take something from the body and like reuse it i don't know like the psychology just, of that yeah i just want i wish i knew un, i i wish i understood more like under the hood of his thinking like yeah i know it's so stupid like oh why why not this part of the body versus this part of the body but i feel like with someone like that you, you've got a reason for those things i so mean I my just, guess would be what you said of like it would just be easier quicker access to take certain parts and he would just do what he could and leave sure. i don't know but i don't know Anyway, I was yeah. getting really in my head about that, but I'm I'm just first of all, I'd like to know why the fuck you're willing to eat a person, but I, then I end up tangenting to too much. So. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of dark layers that can be unpacked there. Yes, you're correct. Right. So they had arrested this 34 year old local pedophile named Walter uh, Quicker, thinking he had done it, mm -hmm. but they had to release him when they couldn't find any evidence to tie him to the crime scene. So despite True. Uh, said lack of evidence his neighbors were quick to insist that they knew it was walter oh shit even his wife divorced him over it and was like yeah he did it uh oh, so he i mean to be fair he was apparently a local pedophile so like he already had a bad rap sheet you know 
Oh, okay. He this isn't his first rodeo here with like the police and everything. So I imagine maybe this was the point where his family and friends were like, "Well, he's done it before." Okay, you know? that makes. It, more I don't sense. think it was out of nowhere, but I just saw people got a weird vibe and everyone ganged <laughs> up on him. The it's wife like, was like, Jesus. "Never mind." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I yeah. don't know. Um, huh. But I, th- I think since he was already known as a local pedophile, there was clearly some sure it, animosity there. already. Yeah. Yes. So it got to the point where shops refused to serve Walter quicker and locals would heckle him in the streets. He was bullied so relentlessly that he died by suicide. Um, oh, my God. And hanged himself in a forest uh, near his home. So it's just there's just tragedy left and right with the story. Yeah. this is, And he's not even the first person in this story to die by suicide. No. It feels so, like a lot of people that are getting somehow, the, the heat for him are all Yeah, doing true. That. True. Interesting. There's all, all the like branches coming off of the story have like yeah. really tragic ends too. So on September 3rd, 1962, 12-year-old Barbara Bruder went missing. She was last seen on her way to a playground but never arrived at the playground. Mm. Uh, Kroll later confessed to strangling and raping her. However, her body was never found, so he was never charged with her murder. <gasps> it's, like, terrible. He literally said he did it, and they and still- couldn't charge him with it. Oh, so my it's God. still unsolved. Angering. Um, very angry. Very horrible, yeah. So for the next three years, it would seem that Kroll made the decision to lay low unless there were crimes that he just never talked about or we could never find, which is possible. Um, apparently, in the meantime, they think, his sources think that he satisfied his needs with his inflatable dolls. He apparently had a lot of hi-fi like equipment that he would use, and they saw him hauling it around with his moped. Oh. I don't know. I, apparently, they were like, he just did weird shit in his apartment. So maybe that's how he got by for three years without attacking any real humans. Mm. But it wasn't the end because August 22nd of 1965, Kroll was in Grossenbaum wandering around a lover's lane when he spotted a couple having sex in the front seat of their car. So he, this is so weird. He snuck up to the car. He... Uh, like I guess on the ground so they couldn't okay. see him and he stabbed one of the tires with a knife to deflate it wow and I guess they didn't see that he did that they were I guess distracted really in the moment yes really in the moment and then he like crawled away and called to the car for help and pretending he had hurt himself uh. and so when the 25 year old man Hamann Schmitz got out of the car to check on crawl to see if he was okay he sprung onto him and stabbed him twice in the heart. Just oh shit! Out of nowhere. Uh, so Marion Veen, who was the uh, Herman's partner, tragically watched as Herman was literally just stabbed to death in front of her, like seconds after they were just in the car together. Oh my god! Uh, and Kroll had a clear plan. He was going to kill and rape Marion next, <gasps> but she jumped in the car in the front seat, honked the horn repeatedly, and drove the car at full speed. Despite the flat tire aiming at Kroll. Good. He wasn't physically harmed. Um, He was able to run away like before the car hit him. Um, And she was not physically harmed either because she, you know, escaped his clutches basically. But she held Herman in her arms as he passed away. And Herman, it's just really awful. And Herman would end up being Kroll's only male victim. So, and it was just to get to her. (sighs) So... Fortunately, with the incessant honking, other drivers had, like, you know, heard this. And so she got their attention. So they arrived at the crime scene and somebody went and called police. 
Unfortunately, there were no clear traces of Kroll left behind. And even though Marion gave a clear description of him, they just like the leads dried up and he escaped once again. Jesus. Oh, my yeah. God. How many years has this been by now? <laughs> Good question. So this is, let's see, 1965. 65. Yeah. And um, he's not caught until 76. So we still have halfway oh the story to go because it's like a 20 year murder span. So we're about halfway Holy through the crap time span yeah okay. i mean there's there's not as much story left like don't worry everybody we only have like a page of story left but no 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 um, that's not what that, <laughs> we didn't mean it like that we didn't mean it like that we just like it's just like wow like how does he keep evading still, any trouble this whole time you just wonder like is karma even real if this just keeps well also like like his confidence level like his cockiness must be out the oh absolutely roof. Like, are you kidding me? Like for him to think like, oh, well, I've done it for X amount of years at this point. Like and what, yeah, what's going to stop are, me? Like random men are literally giving up their lives saying they did my crimes for yeah. no reason. They don't know yeah. me. Like what? That's yeah, he, really, that's where the psychologist uh, in me wants to go oh, learn about those people's 100%. stories and be like, why the fuck did you do that? And like, you, do you realize you're harming other people by saying you did it and then letting him walk free? Like it's yeah. not just you you're throwing under the bus. Like yeah it's just it's 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 wild i i imagine there's a lot of question over uh why or how that happens or anyway so Mm. he was very close to being caught so they think this is why he laid low for a while because it was um a year until he attacked again september 13th 1966 20 year old ursula rowling was strangled to death in festa bush park uh in marl and um he sexually assaulted her uh and left her there and then went home and said he did things with his dolls and i'm just gonna leave it at that Fair enough. so who notably marl is further from duisburg than kroll had previously ever traveled to commit a murder so for this reason uh police didn't suspect him at all what a shock yeah, well, they and seem to just not even never care, so. <laughs> yeah like this isn't a surprise again and arrested a man called Adolf Schickel, who was Ursula's boyfriend at the time. And they thought oh. he was the culprit. Um, so they had to let him go for lack of evidence. But everyone thought he was guilty. So he was driven out of town. Which wow. is like, your girlfriend just got murdered and raped. And you got accused. And now everyone thinks it was you. And you get driven out of town. Like That's horrible. Can you imagine? Just extra. Like, talk about a whirlwind day. On top of everything else. So on January 4th of 67, um, because, oh my God, because of this hostility he was facing from everybody who thought he did it, guess what? Mm. This guy, uh, Adolf Schickel, who was Barbara's boyfriend, drowned himself in the river. Well, that makes like, what, three people now? Near Wiesbaden. Yeah. That's the third guy, uh, like third person affiliated tangentially to this story that died by suicide. Jeez. Yeah. Um, the first guy, he was the one who went in and confessed out of nowhere. Right, right. And then he, and in then, the jail cell, he did it, right? Yes, yes. And then the second two were both accused by police. Wow. Um, so three months later, on December 22nd of 66, Kroll abducted a five-year-old girl called Alona Hark from Essen. He took her via train to Wuppertal, where he strangled, raped, drowned, and butchered her. Great. I'm sorry. Um, his luck nearly ran out, I say nearly, in 1967, when he briefly settled in a town called Grafenhausen, befriending local children who also began to call him uncle. Oh, God. 
he's such a sicko, this man. And nobody's okay. I'm, nobody's like oh, I need to that's relax. Kind of I, creepy. I need to relax because I'm getting worked. No, up. but I'm with you. Just like how has this much time passed? And Hello? like he's not even he's barely on a radar. And on any radar, and all the townsfolk are like, oh, he just loves kids. It's like, again, oh my God. The, again, with the level of cockiness he must have, though, because it's like, not only am I not getting caught, but also, like, the children love me, and it's just yeah. giving me more and more, like, I don't know, ammo's not the right word, but I, I have like the access. targets. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting more and more access as the days go on. With no doubt or question from people, like he's not like the weirdo in town, like no one suspects him. It's it's wild. He's a fucking pillar is what I'm trying to say here. Uh-huh. And I feel yeah. like everyone's minds are going to be blown when they realize it's him and they're going to be like, "Uncle, he was such a nice about? guy." Always with that nonsense, God. yeah. Again, I'm not blaming these people. It's not their job to know who's like hurting No, we're children. blaming how the world just how it just spins sometimes. How, so how it spins in the, the wrong way. Sometimes and how, the world spins a little crazy. And no, I like and it. how assholes like this can just get away with being like humongo creeps with their... Ugh, it just pisses me off. Causing damage left and right. Can you imagine being one of those children later and being like, I spent time with that man. Like, I was in his house, you know? You, Can you imagine being a parent to one of those but children But a parent, later? yeah. Like yeah, the, being like, I didn't know. I mean, The oh guilt God. that they'll have for having, like, no awareness of it. but like, Terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's it's so scary. Um, So he, on June 22nd of 67, he lured a 10-year-old girl named Gabriela Putman to a nearby field one afternoon. Oh my god. He promised to show her a rabbit. And that's how he got her to go to the field with him. I mean, that's, it's the most cliche tropes that he's pulling out and I hate. We, we just it. talked about this too about we like did. I, we were like I can't believe that sometimes that still works. Like Yeah, because I guess it just has always been the go-to move. Like it just And ugh. like I'm pretty sure like I mean, I like to think I would have used better judgment, but if I were a kid and someone said, like, I have a yeah. puppy, like, I can't promise I wouldn't want to go look at the puppy, you well, know? Well, a lot of these people are smart and are like, oh, I have, like, the exact toy you're looking, like, the exact Hot Wheels car you're looking for. Yeah. Or um, I have another friend for you who wants to play a game with you. Like, who knows, you know? Who knows? I mean, they're not, yeah. they're smart and devious. Just and happens. like this is back in the 60s, you know, in the 80s was when all this like stranger danger panic happened. Right. So like before then, I don't think this was even really a Talked thought on about. people's radar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he told her there was a rabbit. Um, instead, he produced obscene pornographic photos. <sighs> the child was horrified. He was hoping she wouldn't be, but she was. What did he think would happen? She'd be into it? Yeah. He apparently hoped she would be aroused by it. God. Uh, She was horrified, understandably. Um, She bolted for safety. And uh, he made a grab for her throat. uh, But he fled town before police could start, like, digging into who did this. Because she was left in a coma unconscious for eight days. Oh, God. Um, So. So did she wake up and she was able to tell who it was? No. So I, I don't think or I don't know if he, she ever told who it was or like knew who it was, but um, he left town, I guess is the time before they could just track his cell phone or something. He okay. left town before they could even like come be like, what were you doing with her? 
over uh-huh. there before in that field. He just her. fucking peaced mm-hmm. before, yeah, before they could ask any questions. Gotcha. And so once this happened, he laid low for two years in hiding because he was like, shit, I was very close to getting caught. Uh-huh. So okay. he was yeah, like, f- probably rattled him and like, yes, him yeah. for a second of like, what for the a fuck goddamn are you minute. doing? Yeah, wow. exactly. So even though he, she survived and he didn't get caught, he was like almost caught. So he laid low for two years um, and against his M.O., Kroll this time in 1969, he's 36. He targets a 61-year-old woman. Oh, that's new. Yeah, it's like a totally different M.O. um, Who's wandering a tourist resort in the south of Essen. That's the town my grandpa lives in, fun fact. Oh. Uh, (laughs) Just some lighthearted side fun facts. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Mine was from Brooklyn, but okay. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. After he tried to strike up a conversation with her, which she declined, he hit her and then raped and strangled her to death. Wow. And police found her body in the bushes the following wet day. Um, a year later, on May 21st of 1970, Kroll noticed the 13-year-old Jutta Rahn on the train in Breitscheid, and he followed her off the train and into the woods, which she usually went through as a shortcut to get home, and then when he followed her into the woods, he strangled her. So he he goes right back from zero to 60. He's He's like, like, I'll try this like other thing. And then he he's like, never mind. He's like, I know what I'm really here for. I can't hide anymore. Yeah. So. uh, So did he ever did did we ever hear him talk about that 61 year old woman? Because I feel like that is a very different change for him. No, it's not really brought up. It's just kind of a random outlier. And it makes you wonder, like, was he trying to switch up his M.O. because he had almost gotten caught with that child? Right. The last time. That sounds like what it would be, right? Yeah. That's my guess is he was, like, trying to. Because then he went right back to children again. So it's like. Yeah. I don't know if he was trying to switch it up. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, But so Yuta, who he had just 13 year old who he just killed in the woods, um, her neighbor and apparently boyfriend who was 20 year old Peter Shea. Um, mm-hmm. 20 year old 13 year old a little questionable but whatever um, i think honestly at this point like, at this point right there's nothing that's not questionable about about this entire episode so about every <laughs> bullet that i read yes yeah so he was brought into custody uh he spent 15 months in prison for mm-hmm. her murder and rape wow. 15 um, years or 15 fi- months 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 Okay. I mean, still bad, but, you know, not 15 years, I guess. But he was released because of lack of evidence. And then Kroll wouldn't act again until 76. And this would be his penultimate murder of 10-year-old Karen Tepfa, who he killed on May 8th while she was on her way to school. Um, Unfortunately, he wouldn't be charged with her murder because of a lack of evidence. And now... She's like, the times he's finally getting... We're getting somewhere. It's still lack of evidence. It's still like they just can't pin anything to him. Mm. And it's like... I know there's not DNA back then, but like anything, fingerprints, nothing. He leaves nothing. This guy's like he's like he's even good for today's age, which is yeah, awful. It's terrible to even think about. So we're now months before the world would find out about this, the Roar Hunter that nobody even realized was pinned to all these fucking murders at once, which must have been shocking. The cops um, must have felt real wild about right. This like oh shit, been like, how did we not fucking catch this? There were like six people who got pinned and like either died by suicide, got let go or are in prison for Mm. this. Oh, my God. I can't imagine the feeling. Yeah. So on July 3rd, 1976, which was where we started, police were brought to Friesenstrasse because four year old, four year old. I can't can't even 
Makes me sick. Uh, Marion Letter had been missing, and that is when they found part of her body in the drain, as we talked about, right. as well as in the pot. And according to Murderpedia, a plumber quickly verified the statement. Oh, my God. Here we go. Oh, my God. The plumber flushed. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. A plumber flushed a child's lungs and other organs out of Holy the pipe. Holy crap. And detectives went calling on Kroll. In his apartment, they discovered plastic bags of human flesh stored in the freezer on the stove. A tiny hand was boiling in a pot with carrots and potatoes. And convinced that they had bagged the hunter, officers were stunned by what we said, his long-running litany of rape and murder all over the country that they just hadn't connected. And they had finally caught the man. So, ooh, it's just like, I can't even breathe. It's so upsetting. Um Neighbors couldn't believe, hey, fun fact, that this pillar of the community, who they thought was so kind and generous, and the local uncle handing out candy to everybody, was actually a convicted serial killer. Hmm. <laughs> Oy vey. Pillar to killer, indeed. So he was taken into custody and questioned immediately. Um, this wasn't a difficult task because Kroll was literally, like I said at the beginning, like ready to fucking rumble and tell them everything he ever did. Um. As Serial Killer Calendar elaborates, he made a very detailed confession, which included how, well, here we go. Okay. The bodies of very young children were the best meat he was able to find. Oh, well, there you have that. There you okay. have it. Uh, he offered the police so much information that he even, as evidenced by a picture taken, which we can also put in the Instagram, uh, he would have the police take him back to these crime scenes, like in the woods and stuff. And he would reenact them for police purposes. Oh, my God. Which is, like, horrible because there's probably a line of, like, he wants to reenact these, but also, like, they need like the he, evidence. I don't I know. I feel like he also partially was hoping that, like, one cop would, like, praise would him. Would be impressed? Or, like, be yeah, exactly. Because it. yeah. it's, it's so sick, but he was clearly, like, watch what I did, you know? He's, like, clearly proud of himself. Um, and so there's, like, a gross picture of him, like like leaning over a guy like this is how i did it it's like, fucking i feel a. like it's, he wanted the, he wanted praise i feel he, like he wanted some sort of like validation yeah which i think must be why at the end he was like i did all of them yeah even the ones that all these other people said they did i did them you know yeah truly he could have gotten away with it but now he with wants the ones, to like yeah like he didn't he, have to admit to all of those he could have kept his mouth shut and yet he didn't so exactly i don't know what he was thinking exactly so he was charged with a total of eight murders and one attempted murder in a trial that began October 4th, 1979. The trial lasted for 151 days. Oh. And after the trial, he was convicted and given nine life sentences. Wow. But guess what? This idiot. <sighs> this is how dumb this man is. And this is why it pisses me off that he wasn't caught for so long. He was shocked when he got nine life sentences because he thought if you confessed to the killings, uh -huh. he wouldn't be incarcerated for them because like if you plead innocent or if you if you like if you like, admit to it then you like, don't have to like do the time which is like wait what so like maybe he Fucking thought moron. that like being guilty meant like guilty of lying like was that what you yeah thought? like like <laughs> exactly and so what he thought was that authorities would quote get him the help he needed to stop killing if he admitted that he did it he didn't think he would have to go to jail. Well, that's, I mean, I'm not going to say that is the first illogical thing he thought. Yeah, fair point. He seems to have. It tracks. To, yeah, it's it tracks that he's not a thinker. So. He's not the brightest, which pisses me off again, because it's like, how did he get away with 
so many lucky shots here. To a point, here. too, where, like, we up, we've, I don't, I was going to say, we always say, we have said in the past that, like, if we could go back in time and, like, solve crimes, like, it would be pretty easy if you just, like, knew, like, if you had, like, if you could bring all the DNA stuff from today back then. Yeah. And we still wouldn't be able to solve it if he, like, he wasn't even leaving any evidence or anything. Well, I mean, maybe he left DNA, but they didn't have DNA. That's true. Maybe so we would have still been able couldn't. to solve it. But it's still frustrating that, like, everything they had at the time never picked up on a single thing. Yeah, or they just decided they knew who did it and didn't even question it. They were like, no, we know who did it. It <sighs> couldn't be this random guy. So, Curl died of a heart attack at age 58 in 1991 in the prison of Rheinbach near Bonn. And he didn't even make it. it to 60? Nope. So he just got to do all of this. Wait, so how old was he when he w- when he got sentenced? Um, so let's see. He got sentenced in 79. And he died when? In 91. So he spent like about 10, 11 years in prison. So that's it. Even though it was technically a, a nine, nine life sentence. Life, yep. He was there for like nine years. And <laughs> then just like went. Yeah. And I, my, I like to think... Maybe the nine life sentences are being served in the afterlife. I don't know. Sure. Sure. We can hope. We can hope. Something. At least some sort of learning lesson. I don't know. But that's like that definitely doesn't feel like any version of justice. Justice. Only really had to go to jail for nine years. Especially when you hear about like the case of Barbara, whoever, who like he said he did it and they still couldn't pin it on him. And so now her family has to go with like an unsolved, technically unsolved case. It's just so tragic. So I'm so sorry that I did that. And that this is probably the last episode we'll record before I go into labor. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, this is what you'll remember me on. Bye. My God, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm well, so sorry. The timing was not great with that one. Um, uh, that was your call, my, my friend. Bad. But you know, I it know was, it was going to have to be done eventually. I guess so. I, I was. I was going to say like I'm just glad I didn't do it for Halloween yesterday while I was dressed up. Like it would have just been. That would have been rough. That would have been rough. Yeah. 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 When we're all trying to be happy about Eat it. candy. Like, <laughs> yeah, Let exactly. me tell you a trivia game. Yeah, and let's talk about our favorite candy. It's like, that's it just wasn't going to fly. So oh, Well, thank you for what you did, even though I didn't like it. Yeah, you um, don't look happy with me, actually. You look pretty pissed. I'm so sorry. I look pissed? Well, like you I were like, look- <laughs> you said, thank you for that. In oh, a well. very, like, stern parent way. <laughs> thank you for the trauma, I guess. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, but other than that, so... You think this is the last one because you could be going. I mean, I don't know anymore. It's like at this point, I just don't want to hang my hopes on anything. But I mean, I'm not feeling good. So I'm like, you think you're going to go to the hospital tonight? Probably not tonight. Maybe tomorrow. We'll see. Question mark. Have you been able to take a nap at all and like sleep through it? Have you been in like immense pain this whole time? No, I'm just uncomfortable and it like doesn't stop, which usually it like after like 10 hours, it'll like go away and it's been much longer than that so I'm, I'm it just hasn't stopped so I'm like maybe it'll just keep going we'll see we'll see I'll well, also be was, like at my due date in like two days or three days so it's getting like a lot closer so wow. the odds are going up at least we'll see imagine if I was still there waiting for this baby to be born <laughs> you would never leave I changed I would, the flight like 11 leave. times by now yeah. you um, never have left <laughs> well so by the time so assuming this is the last time we hear from you, uh, you're you will be back eventually because we gotta go on tour in January. I know. Trust me, I'm I'm ready, man. I'm excited. I can't wait. 
I so that means I wonder when we'll be recording together again. I know. I mean, I imagine since I get a nice like solid several weeks off here, uh, I'll be you know ready enough to get back into it. I have a story already prepped for the next one. That's not quite. I mean, it's terribly tragic, right. but it's not quite as like awkwardly heinous. To I was going to say, is it the is it the horrible story of giving birth and <laughs> the pain? <laughs> yes, and all that? that's going to be a fun one. Yeah, that'll be the one everyone tunes out for. They're like, well, no, thank you. Try to remember it. I know this will be tough for you, but try to remember giving birth to your firstborn baby, because I'm going to have a lot of questions when you get back. <laughs> I'm so. going to have. Oh, my God. You think I'm having questions about cannibalism? Wait for him to talk about other. We'll have a tell all. I'll be like, yeah. I'd like to know every moment that I'll tell you so. whatever you need to know. Maybe live stream it. I'd like to just be there. Well, so maybe I'll live me. stream it to you. Maybe not to everyone. I That's don't know. not what I meant. I mean, TikTok and Instagram. Publicly. Yeah, I would like a public live streamed birth. Can I and monetize it? Who will sponsor it? Uh, I'm pretty sure there's some fertility thing that will absolutely sponsor <laughs> that. So let's, if only we hadn't thought about that the day that you might be going into Damn hospital. it. Okay, we'll have we'll make some calls. I want like a snack company to sponsor. I want oh, like food to sponsor. Maybe it. a wine company of like finally we're oh, we hell yeah. reunited and it feels That's so good. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait till I'm not taking painkillers at the hospital, then I'll then I'll indulge and do my little sponsorship endorsement. Well, um, if this is the last time that that you're on here for a while, it's going to be it's going to be weird having a podcast without you for a I little know. bit. I mean, yeah. It'll be weird for you. I'll be. It. It. I'll finally have <laughs> all the control. What if I'm replaced? <laughs> what if I come back and everyone's like, "No, it was way more fun without her." <laughs> we'll find out the hard way, I guess. I don't. I know. guess this is the time. So we had to find out eventually if one of us was going to be kicked out. And uh, one day I'll have to step away for a large amount of time, and we'll see how people do with you as the the solid. Oh God, host there, that so. might be the moment of like now. Christine really needs to go. She tried to do it by herself. It didn't fly. <laughs> We'll and see. also, well, we'll we'll see. And also, we did try to record enough in advance that you would be able to, like, no one would know. But, you know, we're not the best planner, so whatever. <laughs> it's fine. We got five weeks ahead. That's pretty damn far. We got pretty, we got pretty far. Us. That's five weeks of maternity for you. I love it. I'll take it. Uh, all right. And that's why we drink. <laughs>